This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1872, Comic Talk and Black Adam Movie Review. This is Comic Geek Speak. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Ian Levenstein. I'm Adam Murdo. And I'm Chris Everly. I, I, I couldn't remember how to go first. I don't think it's been <laughs> eons since I've gone first. Hey, hey, hey you did a damn fine like, job of it, Shane. Is it Comic Geek Speak? Is it just me? I don't know what to do. <laughs> Where am I? What What day is it? I'm what here. What world is this? Hi. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> Let's point out to our audience watching on camera, how sexy does Shane look tonight, man? <laughs> wow. And, and, and Bert, I'm, I'm loving the way your hair looks tonight, too. Breast <laughs> trimmed after five months. <laughs> nice. Nice. For hair care tips on Patreon. Indeed. <laughs> and, and, and to join us for today's hair talk, we are joined by... Uh, by the one, the only Paul Paul Spataro of Back to the Bins. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for inviting me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Oh, our pleasure. looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming. After after all those times of you having us on on your show, it was about damn time that we reciprocate. <laughs> well, it's you. You know, there's always an open open seat for you on on Back to the Bins anytime you guys are available. Absolutely. Biggest problem is always just coordinating the free time. Oh, of course, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, trust us. We are well aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, uh, before we get started here uh, for the main episode itself, uh, a reminder that you fine listeners over at patreon.com slash comic geek speak are making this show possible tonight. So we thank you so much for that continued support of the show. Uh, we promise that your special episodes are a coming as uh, we're in final coordination phases of getting some Patreon-exclusive content in there, which will eventually uh, be on the main feed. But uh, that will uh, be materializing soon. And once we have further information on that, we will give it to you. But we thank you so much for everybody who donates to the show. And uh, as for little as a dollar a month, you can get in on the fun over at patreon.com slash comicgeekspeak. And if you cannot donate on Patreon, feel free to uh, uh, you know donate the old-fashioned way at the Comic Geek Speak site, or just spread the word about the show on iTunes by sending an iTunes review or Spotify or however the heck you listen to the show, or just letting a friend know because we're all friends here, and we thank you so much for your continued support. <laughs> any way you can give it here at Comic Geek Speak. All right, let's get this party started here. Um, how about we go comic news first, and then uh, we'll go into some uh, some lead on maestro, lead on, lead on. Okay. Um, so it's been an interesting couple of days for 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 comic news. Uh, for one thing, DC has a new captain for its cinematic world, and it was mm. not at all the person that we were expecting it to be. No, no, not at all. Yep. Um, as it's somebody who. I still consider to be with Marvel. In fact, the day the news came out, the trailer came out for the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. 
um, earlier yeah. in the day, and I'm like, oh, hey, good for James Gunn. Yeah, things are going great. And then the news came out that James Gunn is now the man in charge of DC Studios. I'm, I'm, I was flabbergasted with the news. I did not see that one coming. I thought it was just going to be some, you know, lame executive, and it turns out to be somebody who very much has his, you know, foot in the door already at DC, and, you know, has made uh, The Suicide Squad, <clears throat> and has made Peacemaker, and is uh, already in the process of making some other stuff for DC. And he's doing it along with Peter uh, Safran, who also has... Uh, directorial experience and uh, executive producer experience and they'll be the co-CEOs of DC Studios moving forward. Now is he still directing the next Guardians film or no? Uh yeah, yeah, that's Yeah, I think okay. that's his last. Yeah, that's that's, oh. that's I think that's in the I think it's in the can. It is. It is Paul. Yeah, you're right. Um it is it is in the can um and they premiered a trailer for it uh at uh at D23, uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, so we haven't gotten the trailer yet, but D23 got the trailer. Uh, and that, you know, Adam Warlock's going to be in it and a bunch of other, you know, appearances and all that. And it'll basically be James Gunn's swan song with Marvel because, yeah, he's he's straight up DC now. Um, yeah. I think there's so- a lot to do with the whole... Uh- when when they had dumped him and then they let him come back, I think there's still some hard feelings there. Mm. And I think he was content to just jump ship and, and go to D.C. where they were uh, kind of wine dining him to get him to do Suicide Squad in the first place. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Well, yeah, If that's true, I don't blame him. That, that was oh, – come yeah. on. I mean the, the ship was righted, but uh, of course, mm-hmm. you know, when you're slighted, you're slighted. And what happened in that in-between time is that he signed on with D.C., before getting the job back with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 to do the yeah. Suicide Squad in between that, um, or else you would have gotten Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 already. They delayed it basically to, you know, to please James Gunn and his and his, uh, and his schedule to make sure he was still able to do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's nice to see actual direct, direct, like, oversight that seems to at least somewhat make sense with DC. Um it's just where do we go from here? That's the question. Because nothing's really they, they, yeah. it. It kind of feels like they've been rudderless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, For it's years. like they, they have all these ideas that, of what they want to do, but they never seem to have any focus. And it just seems like they want to keep uh, bypassing, developing the characters cinematically and jumping right to the, hey, you know, we could do the Justice League and we could have all these characters introduced already. And I think they might have the right idea. Uh, and, we'll, you know, we'll talk, obviously, more with Black Adam, sure. but I think they might have the right idea of kind of cherry-picking what's been done already mm-hmm. that they think is good, and everything that they don't think is good, just kind of leave it behind and move forward from there. Part of me wonders how this is going to affect the, uh, along those lines, Paul, uh, the separated universes, like the the essentially the multiverse that we've gotten of DC films, you know, that we've gotten multiple Batman that we've gotten, you know, uh, that, that, you know, whenever they, whenever they want to make something, they, they will, like we have a Joker off in a Joker universe. We've got, uh, you know, we've got the Batman, which just came out, which is a separate universe along with, you know, the penguin show that's coming to HBO max. We've still got, uh, Batfleck running around in one form or another. Uh, and he's going to be showing up in, in the next Aquaman movie, 
you know, what does that say for that? Uh, the Flash is supposed to be introducing a whole bunch of stuff if and when it ever comes out. This will definitely at least set a path as to what direction they are actually going to wind up going, I think. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of under the impression that the Flash movie was going to establish the the multiverse and, and yeah. this way it would allow yeah. them to kind of cherry pick what they wanted and go forward with that. Right. That's yeah. what I thought but, too. But but now with the the public relations issues they have with the Flash movie, uh, they <sighs> they seem like they're reticent to let that one come out. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we'll wait and see. And I mean, this is this is all still beginning stages here. Like we know who's there. We just don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and once we start seeing some announcements on future movies, then. Uh, you know, we'll know for sure. There is one announcement that I'm going to save until after we discuss Black Adam uh, that may potentially be coming down the road now uh, that yeah. came out post that movie. But uh, I don't want to say it now for anybody who hasn't actually seen the movie yet until we get into the spoiler action. Um, well, and and all I wanted to say about the way they did things is I was okay with them trying to do a team up movie with Batman, Superman, and trying to do a Justice League movie mm-hmm. to go a different route than just individual movies for everybody. It just didn't work yeah. as well as what it should have. Mm-hmm. So now they've got to go a different direction because what what Marvel did worked, but I didn't want to necessarily see them copy that. But what yeah. they tried didn't work either. Yep. So now they got to definitely have to restart everything and see what direction they go in. I was talking about that today with somebody, and, and we were talking about, again, I don't want to jump into Black Adam, but we're talking about characters that are in Black Adam and saying, you know, that, it would have been nice if they had almost made uh, kind of like one hour specials like with Werewolf by Night Marvel mm-hmm. to, to kind of introduce us to those characters and give us yeah. a little background and maybe, uh, I mean, don't they have their platform over on HBO Max to show all their stuff? They do. Theoretically, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what Peacemaker was. I mean, Peacemaker yeah. was, you know, that was a episodic, uh, you know, continuation of an existing movie and. Uh, at the same time, that's what uh, the Penguin show is supposed to be for the Batman movie, is that it's supposed to be, you know, its own, uh, I think a prequel technically, but its own thing in that universe. But it almost seems like Discovery's not interested so much in original content mm. on HBO Max. Uh, yes. Is <laughs> what we get out of all the rumblings we hear. Yeah. Which is kind of disturbing. Because <laughs> it's kind of a perfect platform to do some of this stuff they're very much in cost saving mode right now shane and i think that part of that is let's go with our discovery ip let's go for as many you know reality shows as we can as we can go out there and let's go with shows that are on specifically on hbo as the hbo max content not necessarily hbo max exclusive content um, yeah. Like the one, mm. the one bit of HBO Max exclusive content that's even coming out anytime soon, outside of the Penguin Show, is the uh, the Ralphie movie that's coming out. The yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Christmas Story, Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, 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 an adult Ralphie from uh, from Christmas Story. In is a it movie. the same actor? Same actor. Oh yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. And his two friends. Well, you've, you've seen him in in. Uh, he was in Iron, uh, Iron Man. For, for, uh, Iron Man and, and Spider-Man, uh, yep, Far From yep, Home. Yep. Far From Home. Yep. Yeah. So now he's coming back with that. And uh, that's kind of the only real, like, exclusive content that 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 we're seeing. But also, we're still in the beginning stages of, H- of HBO Max and Discovery together as one. So this may also just be coalescing that further. You know, there is there more to come, you know? Yeah, I hope so, because so far I'm unimpressed. I agree. <laughs> 
Well, I think I think HBO might have more of a a, a financial issue as far as their product goes because if you get HBO through your cable carrier, you automatically get HBO Max. Yes. Whereas Disney Plus is a separate entity that you have to subscribe to. So they're getting money from everybody who's watching that, that they wouldn't be getting otherwise. Right. Whereas HBO, you know, may not have seen the cost in or the, the money influx uh, from their streaming service that, that Disney did. Mind you, Disney's also getting that extra money on top of it with Hulu and ESPN because that's all under yeah. their umbrella. Um, you know, the Disney bundle, as they like to call it, Disney, Hulu, and ESPN all combined as one thing. You pay a set price and you get it all under under one under one banner like that. HBO Max was set up like that in some ways at first uh, with, you know, the Turner Classic Movies and Adult uh-huh. Swim and, uh, you know, other other exclusives that they had gathered. But it's going to be some reorganization time uh, in one way yeah. or the other. But this also means Walter Hamada is gone. So that's... That's another thing that's happened. That's the guy who had the whole uh, ordeal and uh, was under investigation uh, for for things that he supposedly uh, did to the cast of Justice League, uh, specifically uh, the guy who played Cyborg, who I'm now blanking on uh, name-wise. Um, but he had a whole like dispute uh, uh, with with uh, with Warner Brothers over Walter Hamada, Ray Fisher. Um, and and supposed abuse that came on him that was set to the side, and now Walter Hamada is no longer with the company because he basically got a golden parachute as part of the, the HBO Discovery deal. So ah, uh, don't they always exactly? So <laughs> he's he's uh, he's out. James Gunn is in. Let's see if it's it, yeah. It, what what's next? Be That's it. Curious to see what James Gunn does. The only, the only thing I don't want is, and, and I don't think it will be this way, I don't want everything to emulate Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. I agree. That's that's my fear mm-hmm. based on Guardians, Suicide Squad, and Peacemaker. Um, I, I would like something a little bit less crazy at times. Sure. Well, Shane, I would hope you'd have, a, based on what we know of him, he has enough finesse to, to, to appreciate I hope different so. characters right. and yeah. just the nuances between them and so forth. I, 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 would, I would be surprised if they went in that direction with everything besides which i don't think he's going to be personally writing and or directing everything no just kind of he's just going to be kind of the editor-in-chief if you will right this this is i mean you know as as can be said when it was the quote-unquote snyderverse you know Zack Mm. snyder didn't direct everything you know wonder wonder woman was not him aquaman was not him uh even though it was all technically under his umbrella um, I think the same can be said for here. James Gunn is still going to occasionally direct and write, but otherwise, as Merch said, it's going to be oversight uh, yeah. rather than anything else. Um, yeah, so uh, it'll, it'll be I interesting. Think, I mean, I, I think that the Gunn is a bad boy at heart. At least that's the impression mm-hmm. I get. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's a plus. He's not just somebody who's coming in there and saying, you know, oh, you know, what what's going to make us the most money? He's oh, going to sure. try and. I mean, obviously, the bottom line is going to be a factor, but he's going to have, you know, he's going to have the eye towards what thing would I love to see that's going to make us the most money, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is, you know, is a definitely a positive. And then, you know, for all the talk I hear about Marvel being uh, homogenous in a lot of ways, I see a lot of different types of things that come out of Marvel between, uh, you know, the like when you consider like the political intrigue of winter soldier and then comedy and other ones. And, you know, now we just got werewolf by night, which is another totally different animal. And that's what I enjoy is that they could have this one universe that has all these different types of, uh, or genres in it. 
And I would hope that they'd try and do that with DC too, because under the Snyder umbrella, it seemed like everything had to be dark and and and, and very, very serious. And even when they threw a joke in, it was yeah. a, you know, kind of the wry be the corner of your mouth lifts and you don't actually laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they needed a Feige. You know, they needed a Feige. Yeah. And and yeah. and this is now their this is now their Feige. And one whether whether for good or for bad now they have someone to point them in a direction and set a slate and be like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to roll with it rather than have eight or nine people in a room and be like, okay, we want to do this, but split over to here and go there, go there, go there. Uh, have this actor, but not this actor have this guy from the waist up. And you know, that's, mm. that's, that's it. So yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Marvel announced to, uh, yesterday and I'm not sure how many of you have heard yet that Wonder Man has been cast. I did really? hear that. Yep. Cool. I have not heard. Uh, and it is uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen II, uh, who uh, previously played Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen series. Oh, okay. Yep. So, okay. So they, uh, they, uh, they went ahead and cast him uh, in the role of, of Wonder Man. Uh, and uh, this is a Disney Plus series that's uh, going to be coming, I believe, sometime, if not this upcoming year, then the year after. Uh, but uh, this is the only bit of casting news that we have so far. Um, obviously, the X-Men haven't been introduced yet, so I don't know if he'll have his buddy Hank, Mc- Hank McCoy along with the run. Um, I can only I can only hope. I can only dream. Yeah, I can hope. Jeez. <laughs> one of the great, that's one of the great duo buddies in uh, Marvel, the Marvel Universe. Yeah. My stars and garters. Yep. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so we have we have an actor cast uh, as as Wonder Man, and it was also announced as uh, while I was while I was helping a friend move on Sunday, uh, he had Ten uh, Ten Wins, the local news station in New York, on, and they, you know they repeat their news over and over again. So I heard the same bad joke about it like seven times. But uh, Vision Quest, a new Disney Plus series coming. Featuring the one and only Vision, uh, following up on White Vision at the end of WandaVision, uh, and and we'll we'll go from there. For just a moment, Ian, I'm gonna, you know, portray my age. I thought you were talking about a remake of the wrestling film with Matthew Modine, <laughs> 1980s. But anyway, I'm glad that was not the case. Uh, yes, uh, I, I I am glad as well. <laughs> Obviously named after the the miniseries Vision Quest from uh, yep. from days gone by, um, but yeah, it's great because we were talking in the past about you know what are they going to do with the Vision since they yeah. left you with that great essentially cliffhanger with mm-hmm. them so wonderful yeah I, I've been surprised he hasn't shown up yet at all but that that's nice hopefully that comes through sooner rather than later I would hope I would hope as well that uh, that Wanda would be in it in one way or the other yeah me too yeah. and What's did you what? say that Go ahead, uh, this is going to be introduced as wonder man in this vision quest miniseries no this is a straight up uh separate series this is this is uh the uh, a disney plus series i know i i would that's a good question to ask Murd, considering wonder man's relationship to uh to vision yep. and what have you um yeah, exactly. i mean maybe maybe they will somehow be tied together one way or the other uh once it's all said and done who knows but, oh, and you know, no, I forgot, Ian, that this actor was looking at the texture. He played Black Manta in the Aquaman. Oh, film. yes. Oh, okay, yes. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. And he's playing now, him. Now you said him. something I can, I can picture him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, think he's, I, I think he's back for Aquaman too. if I remember. It says right. here that he is, yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. Because so. in, that, in that movie, 
that was one of the best transfers of a villain's look in any comic film I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. Like, it looked, yeah. Black Manta looked amazing in that film. Yeah. Plus, so. you, we, we've already seen him play range because, you know, the, him as Black Manta was significantly different than him as Dr. Right. Manhattan. Um, <laughs> so I think I think we can... I, th- I think he'll bring a very charismatic and, uh, you know, jovial character to the screen with a little bit of edge. Uh, and hopefully that's exactly what we need from a Wonder Man here. Um, Absolutely, because Simon Williams, you've got the really fun, you know, movie star life. But then underneath that is is the the, the, the torment, and the trauma of, of his past and what happened to him. And like Murd mentioned, the whole vision connection and. I'm so glad they're doing, they're doing a television show with this character. Oh yeah, it's, it's I, wonder, I wonder how far they'd go into the story. You know, if, if you go into the, uh, you know, him getting the powers and effectively dying and being resurrected, because I always felt like that added a lot of dimension to the character that was otherwise often played very yep. lightly, but that he had this fear of death because he had kind of been through it already, mm-hmm. uh, and and that and I always thought that you know that gave him a much more three dimensional feel. And do we get his brother? Mm. Ah, the Grim Reaper. I hope so. Yep, I hope so. Yeah, uh, that that would be that would be the uh, the the crouton on top of the salad for me. Like that's <laughs> a, a, absolutely getting uh, getting Grim Reaper introduced into into here in one way or the other. Um, and, and who do you get to play him? Also, will factor into it because Grim Reaper yeah. has to be a very loopy, crazy yet almost sadistic character at times depending on how he is portrayed um by the way this is being directed uh, or at least uh, show run by uh the director of shang chi and the legend of the ten rings uh uh destin daniel Cre- uh, Cretton, and okay. uh the head writer is one of the writers of brooklyn 99 and community and andrew guest so yes there will be humor <laughs> as there should be with wonder man exactly that much is kind of a given um, and that's, that's and, and yet you know, like the, the Russo brothers come from comedy, and yet they they managed to balance. Yep. They've managed to balance the comedy and the seriousness in in their movies. So I'm hoping for more of the same. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and as we pointed out in our in our Beetlejuice uh, retro movie review, is that you know it's the comedians that can do the best drama at times, and it's not sure. necessarily the other way around nearly as well. So we'll uh, we'll definitely have to pay attention to this and. Uh, when it's uh, going to wind up uh, showing its head, we shall see. But there were a whole bunch of stuff unannounced on that uh, timeline when it was released. Yeah, there was. And this is definitely going to be one of those things. So, good stuff. Um, did everybody happen to see the trailer to Ant-Man? Yes. Yes. Okay. I did not, but go ahead. Made right. Excellent use of my favorite song. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> Very- Chris, they go small. Yes, they do. <laughs> it's uh, very Elton John, and it's very uh, and it's very very microverse. Oh, so they play Tiny yeah. Dancer? Okay, no, they, no, they play Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Oh, yes, because that's my favorite Elton John song. Mm-hmm. All right, yep, to very good effect. Um, the the trailer doesn't give a lot away, honestly. No, like it, it, no, not at all. It sets up the overall premise of it, which we which we kind of gathered at least a little bit, uh, where we return to the microverse. Um, clearly, not everything is as it seems in the microverse. Uh, and there's something that what's her name is kind of hiding that do she's they, known do they about. Call it the mic. 
do they call it the microverse or the quantum verse? Quantum I think realm. it's just the quantum, quantum verse. Yes. Quantum, quantum realm. realm. Yes. Yeah. Which which I, I always in my mind have have uh, coordinated with the negative zone. So I was kind of hoping to see maybe like Annihilus in the background or Blastar or somebody <laughs> like that. But I think if we are going to get them, they're going to save it for the movie. They they should not give that up early. Uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I was uh, keeping my eye on the crowd scenes for members of the Micronauts or the Micronauts, as Marvel is required to call them now. Yeah, like, they could only... They, Ran or Marion well, they can't do... Bug! They can't. They can do. I'm trying to remember who they can't do. They can't do. Uh, they can't do career. Baron Carr. They can't do exactly. Baron Carr. So. Yeah. They can't. They yeah. can't do him. Obviously, they can't do Rom. Shock of shocks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with with all the money they have, what would right. cost them to get Rom? I, right. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah. I, I it's would, not like anybody's using yeah, Rom. Yeah, what's going on with Rom? <laughs> Rom was a Rom was a damn good book. Oh yeah, it was yeah, a good book. Was, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for, for its time, it, w- it was one of the best books of its time, period. Yeah, it was an excellent comic. Um, and so was Micronauts in the beginning. Oh, Micronauts is awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, the, the, that first 10 first issues, dozen issues or nine oh, issues. Oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. so good. It was, that was so cinematic and well yep. done. Michael Golden artwork. I, I, I loved that. I don't uh, think I've ever I'd read like those us, first 12. Well, Shane, I'd like us to review those at some point in the show, the first, like, dozen, because you'd, you'd, Shane, you'd love it. You would especially love it. I had a couple of the toys, but I did not, I did not have the comics. Yeah. I would definitely recommend. They're very, very Star Warsy. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, they're they're really fun. Yep. We do get our first uh, glimpse of Kang in costume as yes. as full Kang as well. That uh, was pretty good. Yeah. I think. Did I, he have the, they, did he have the, did he have the face mask on? Um, at one point. Yeah. I think on the on the way down when he's floating down, he did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll watch it later. There was yeah. also a neat little cameo of a, of an actor I did not expect to be in any Marvel movie. I'm oh, thinking. Yes. I mean, it's speculation, but I'm thinking the Gardener. Bill Bill Murray shows up in the in the trailer. Chris, no, he's saying he thinks Bill Murray. Oh, might yeah, be it's the Gardener. Oh, the okay, that would make sense. Elder Terrific, you know. Yeah. Okay. That'd be pretty cool. Bro- bro- yeah. Brother of Jeff Goldblum. I mean, it seems like a perfect role. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, uh, and they also just announced that William Jackson Harper uh, from The Good Place. Uh, is is going to be in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: uh, Quantum Mania, supposedly as a Resistance fighter in the Quantum huh. Realm. Um, okay, but they're keeping his role very, very close to the vest. Uh, hmm. So it may be more than they're leading on, or it may just be exactly what they're saying. Or that yeah. that could that could be your window to the Micronauts right there. That's true. Mm-hmm. Want to go in that direction, or Microns, as they would say. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I I liked him in in the Good Place. Oh, so great show! Yeah. Great show! Yeah, there was another oh show God. he was on on uh, on Peacock uh, recently uh, that I that I yeah watched. I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, that was really good. Um, but obviously, the internet being the internet, there's immediately been speculation. Oh, maybe he's playing the MCU's Reed Richards, but there's absolutely no cause for 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 that whatsoever. Uh, and that'd be a I mean, it'd be a cool place for him to show up. With the Fantastic Four, you know, venturing small as many times as they have, or or negative zone for that matter. Um, yeah. But I, I I highly doubt it's going to be the case. Uh, I agree with Paul. That should be safe for the Fantastic Four film. Agree. They're going to yeah. go into that. Yeah. 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 Like for instance, they could they could introduce Doctor Doom in in Wakanda Forever, but they should now. I I, well, I wouldn't be as opposed to if they introduced Doctor Doom somewhere else, hmm. but the Fantastic Four themselves and Negative Zone and really deep 
FF stuff should be the movie. Yeah. See, uh, one thing I would say, and I mentioned this before, mm-hmm. I think Wakanda Forever will be the ideal spot for mm-hmm. a Doom cameo. Okay. Yeah. Especially if they're going into Namor. And, and, if, and if they're kind of riffing on the story, I think they might be riffing on, um, which we'll talk about at some point. Yeah. I think Doom would be an ideal like post credit scene. Good point. Because my God, it's something it's, written by Christopher Priest. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> issues uh, twenty six to thirty of his run, one of the best Black Panther stories of all time. Christopher, Maybe. if they do Doom, if they do, if they do do Doom, I hope that they just do him as a cameo, and I hope do, they do, cast do, him do, correctly do. this time do, do, because do, do, do. he was probably yeah. my biggest disappointment of the. Uh, you know the, the the two Fantastic Four movies that oh absolutely I acknowledge existence of uh, <laughs> was, was just his casting oh, and, Paul and, dreadful. and he was dreadful. It's it's oh, it's fine, but, Paul. The other one was literally called Fant Four Sticks, so you can't actually call it a Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> you know what? In those movies, I thought the four main actors were actually fine, yeah. for, like who they cast for those roles. Oh yeah, I did too. It's just that Doom was awful. Yeah, awful. And so out of character, yeah. And looked bad, especially in the first one. Yeah. And plus that movie just the the budget was like it just it just didn't work on on some of the and, and I discussion. like that actor in other things, but not not in mm-hmm. not as no. Deep. He was like some smarmy, like what? He was, yeah. yeah, he was just like a yuppie. He wasn't yeah, a, it, a, it, an it, Eastern it, European ruler. Yeah. No, yeah. he wasn't. Yeah, I, that, that, you know, he can be Americanized, but he shouldn't be totally American. And yeah. this guy was. You know, he didn't have the slightest bit of foreigner in him. No, and and there needs to be, and I'm sure they'll establish this because they just seem to know what they're doing now. When that character appears, there needs to be an everybody, every other character in the scene has to automatically go. <gasps> there has to be awe. There has to be majesty because oh, yeah. it's doom. Absolutely. And if they don't, ha- and I'm sure Marvel, of course, understands that. So certainly, and and for that matter, establishing him as a force is more important than anything yep. else. So, yes, yeah. yes, Chris, you are right. If he were to show up on the throne of, of Latveria now, you know, in Wakanda forever, that may be pretty awesome. Like, just, Well, what would, yeah. be great, what would be great about that is, or in, maybe a cameo in some other film, I think Wakanda forever would be ideal, but yeah. you could also establish, the, like, the geopolitical world of the MCU. Uh-huh. Like, think back to um, Winter Soldier, when they showed you all the people that were going to kill with all those... Um, Hydra missiles, and yep. like you saw, like all the different names and places, gave you a little glimpse of what's out there. Um, Doom is an ideal vehicle for something like that. Hmm. So, yep. you know, yeah, just my I'm just, just my thinking about the way list. he was, the way he was shown in in those those two movies. He was kind of like petty. He, he didn't have the grand schemes. It was awful. oh, how am I going to steal Sue from Reed? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Just, uh, yeah. Well, I can't wait to see uh, Namor macking on on uh, Sue Storm in one way or the other in, in the main <laughs> MCU because that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Namor on the big screen. I've been waiting on this. Oh yeah, yep, absolutely. I I thought we were going to get him in Iron Man three mm. uh, when they showed in the coming attractions the scenes where they were going into the water uh, after the, his uh, his building had been attacked mm-hmm. yeah and i thought i thought we were going to get a cameo where like tony was going to be in his armor underneath like a you know a ton of rubble and that that somebody was going to come and rescue him and it was just going to be a mystery mm-hmm. as to who it was that was that was what i pictured but yeah. not even close <laughs> <laughs> hey paul you and shane should get together as a writing dude because you both have great ideas that never seem to actually 
come to fruition in these films. Oh, but, yeah. that's right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look at the Wakanda Forever trailers. Yeah. I mean, they got the look down at least for sure with oh, the sure. characters. So, yeah. and it and um, it seems very geopolitical for yes, what they're going yeah. for. Yeah. Again, at least in some of the trailers I've seen, they, they've they've gone to the wayside on on it being Atlantis. Um, but uh, it still feels like Namor, at least from the trailer. So we'll, we'll, yeah. where, where it goes from there, we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Before uh, Chadwick Boseman passed, my, my anticipation was that Black Panther 2 was going to be him coming back from the blip and uh, Man-Ape would have taken over Wakanda and it was going to end up being a battle between the two of them through the whole movie. See, it's funny you mentioned that, Paul, because uh, there was a uh, interview that came out uh, somewhat recently with Ryan Coogler that says something similar to that, that the original treatment for it when Chadwick was still alive was going to take place after the blip, um, and he's dealing with being gone for five years and the changes that have occurred. So you're not too far off on that. <laughs> and that's a classic Avengers, Roy Thomas, John Buscema story from the Silver Age where he had to fight Man-Ape. Mm-hmm. Incredible artwork. Or perhaps Shane, myself... Ryan Coogler and Roy Thomas can sit down and do a movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, you, hear, you hear that? You hear that, Marvel? We know you listen. We know you listen. <laughs> yeah. Why <laughs> on that wall? Yep. Yeah. yeah. They're like, what? <laughs> what? One, one more bit of casting. <laughs> one more bit of casting news that we haven't discussed since our last comic talk, and I, I'd love to get everyone's take on this. Harrison Ford taking up yeah. the role of General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. I think it's great. I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm excited I, I, to see it. I think Harrison Ford has hit the age yeah. where he can't be the action hero anymore, even though we have another Indiana Jones movie coming out. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's time for him to take on roles like that, where he could be the elder statesman and mm-hmm. kind of come in and just command the screen for a little bit and then walk off triumphantly. Yeah. And he can do Krusty very well. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a great choice. Now I just I, now, he, now, bad he doesn't even have to act. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've seen him be harumph many a time in real life. <laughs> um, and best of all, even if they do decide to do uh, you know Red Hulk uh, CGI, that's it. Yeah. So yeah. he just has to go into a booth and talk. That's it. <laughs> I don't know how much these guys do. Like. Uh... A lot of the CGI actors, you know, they put on the uh, most motion capture suit mm-hmm. and and actually act the the physical aspect yeah. of the part. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't. I mean, I would imagine if he does Red Hulk, they're not going to do that with Harrison Ford. But uh, it's possible. You know, to some extent, they might. You know, they yeah. definitely can't capture the face and then CGI it. Yeah. Well, I can't. I can't wait for him to say, "Get off my helicarrier." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, he will be appearing in Captain America: New World Order first before he shows up in Thunderbolts. Um, so that's that's where that's where we will get to see the new Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, and I'm sure absolutely nobody is going to make a comment on you look different than the last time I saw you. <laughs> so we'll 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 have to uh, anticipate the snark that may occur with that one way or the other. Um, and that's that's about it on on, on news. Uh, actual comic book news is uh, few and far between because these days we just read them and they happen. Uh, so we'll we'll get into our our reads in a little bit. But uh, how about we start off with some Black Adam, shall we? You bet. Surely. Okie dokie. Uh, spoilers at, from this point forward, ladies and gentlemen. So anybody who has not seen Black Adam, pause this podcast, go to the movies, come back from the movies. 
continue the podcast. That yeah. is that is the order. That is how it should occur. Uh, Paul, I, I <laughs> I'm 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 loopy tonight, gents. So it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Well, there was something there was something almost reassuring and clinical about the way you said that. That's, it's true. It's true. Step one. Step two. Step three. Step four. There we go. <laughs> Uh, Paul, I'll, I'll start it off with you as the guest. Uh, general thoughts on Black Adam? Okay. Uh oh. If you're not watching at home, you just gritted. He gritted his teeth. I I did not. I can't say I loved it, and I can't say I hated it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was a decent watch. Yeah. Uh, I thought it did not have the focus that I really would have liked to have seen. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. And I am a long time unabashed JSA lover. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more background on the JSA. Like I was saying, I would almost would have liked to have seen a a one hour uh, short on each one of them, giving you their origin and kind of giving you the history of the team Mm. uh, a little bit. Uh, I loved Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. I thought he stole the movie to be honest with you. Uh, And I thought, you know, I I, got to say for the, 20 seconds he was on the screen. I thought it was brilliant casting to have Henry Winkler play the original. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I, I, I did think that, uh, you know, the rock was, was a good cast, uh, you know, good casting as black Adam, mm-hmm. but I felt like the character didn't have the right emotional arc. He didn't, he didn't have a, enough of a story where he, changed and went from being like the the frightening bad guy to somebody who you understand his motivations and can kind of root for. Uh, he, he felt a little one note to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and the story felt kind of convoluted the way it was put together. So, you know, in a nutshell, I enjoyed it, but I think it, I could have gotten so much more out of it if it had been done a little differently. Mm. Shane. I agree with almost everything you said, Paul, I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. There were parts that were okay. I could have gotten more out of it. Here, here's my one of my biggest pet peeves about it, and it happens twice in the movie. Mm-hmm. Once in the beginning and once at the very end. To me, Amanda Waller does not command the JSA and what happens at the end. Yeah. I, I, there's just, in my mind, there is no way that the JSA would say, yep, okay, Amanda, let's go do your bidding. No, (laughs) her and the Suicide Squad do everything against what the JSA and the JLA would do normally. They may get there in the end and they may work together at points, but there's no way in my mind that she would say, well, I'm going to call in a favor or, hey, I'm going to call my team and that's the JSA to do this. That, that just wouldn't happen. Like Amanda Walla is not the linchpin of the entire DC universe. And that's what I feel like they're making that character out to be in these movies. It's, it's not horrible. I, I mean, I will watch it. I'll watch Black Adam again, and I will go see any DC movie that's put yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was very bad way to write that part of the story. Wait, wait, and, what if wait, you had a scene in there similar to what they did in Doomsday initiative or whatever it was called in the JLA uh, Unlimited series where uh, she spoke to Batman about going after Doomsday and they clearly didn't agree with each other, Mm -hmm. but Batman ended up doing it anyway because even though they are at odds with each other, they still have the same goal. Yep, yep. And that would have fixed a lot of it for me because to me it was more like she's commanding the JSA and there was nothing in the movie to tell me otherwise, which... 
I don't think would have happened yeah. at all. Amanda Waller is not Nick Fury. And uh, I think that, uh, at least as of now, they have very much been trying to use her as such uh, yeah. in the bulk of the films. So, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love Amanda Waller's character, and I love her as in charge of Suicide Squad and doing the nefarious things to get those jobs and tasks done. I just don't buy how they wrote her into this mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And and it's it's minor. It's only two little scenes. Oh, yeah. But – it, it totally changed my perception of what they're trying to build in the DC world right now, especially with this. I, I thought The Rock was a good cast, but I know it was a passion project for him. Yeah. But I also think it was odd that he was asleep for how many hundreds of years and came out and understood everything and talked perfect English. I thought that was a little bit odd. Mm. <laughs> there, there had to be some kind of time frame to that. Shane, I figured they were actually speaking Arabic, but they just made it English for the audience. Maybe that's how that's how I approached it. I, I think you know, that I throw in the JSA, and they're they're definitely not speaking Arabic. Yeah. Right. Well, I, we right. just have to tell ourselves, "Wisdom of Zahuti did it." And thank you. And, and it's fine. Did, did maybe, maybe I sound nitpicky, but did Amanda Waller say at the end that she was calling in a favor? Yes, she did, and so that what, bothered what me more. What does he than... owe her? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, right. we we will certainly get there to say the least. But, but and and again, Paul, you'd you'd be absolutely right if if she would have like if there would have been a scene where she's talking to the JSA or the JLA and saying, "Hey, this is happening. I don't. I think I'm going to need your help, or, or I I don't know what, but something to, to I, when she said that, and then the character shows up. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't think he's at your beck and call at all. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like she was doing was the, the JSA and this character is at her beck and call for it, things. I mean, I know it, she said favor, but if she was holding, happen. if she was holding kryptonite at the, at the, at the point, okay, <sighs> maybe I gave it away already, but we, this is all spoilers at this point, but you know, it, yeah. if she, yeah, if, if she'd been holding kryptonite, that would have been one thing, but she wasn't. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Right. So that, that, that stuff rubbed me the wrong way. I thought the casting of the characters was great. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the effects that they did for Cyclone, and I thought Hawkman was good, and Pierce Brosnan was great. Yeah. I loved at the end where they fixed the helmet so that you got the eyes a little bit, mm-hmm. which is what I wanted out of it the whole time. Um, so they did a lot right, Yeah. but there's also some wrong. And Murd. More big dumb fun from producer Dwayne Johnson, PGA. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I'm. I I too am with Paul and on a lot of points here. It's I I can't say that I wholly disliked the movie. It it was it was fun to watch the action parts. The visual effects were good. Uh, The fight scenes were strong. The JSA, you know, Ian mentioned on Facebook after seeing the movie, "Hey, that was a great JSA movie with a little bit of Black Adam in it." Yeah. and uh, that's, I, I'm not complaining too much about that, Ian, because I thought the stuff that they did with the JSA, they did pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I agree with Paul that uh, you know, Pierce Brosnan was a great Kent Nelson in this. Um, I think that the other JSAers were handled well, too. I think they, they downplayed uh, Cyclone's personality from the comics, like her wide-eyed, hyperactive chipperness. And I would have appreciated a few more El Frank bomb quotes in her dialogue, you know. Mm. Um, Hawkman, also good, but uh, it, the script really needed some, the, the dimension of his reincarnations. The fact that he was around yeah. in ancient Egypt to see what happened with Black Adam the first sure. time through. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, the and I thought we were going to get that. 
I thought we were going to get that there at the one point. Yep, I kept you know craning my neck towards the screen, just waiting for Hawkman to say something along those lines, but it never yeah. quite came to be. Yep. Um, so yeah, the JSA parts were fine. Um, the main character, however, yeah, his characterization was all over the place. You know, Paul mentioned that he didn't have a cohesive arc in this movie. It was more like his he had a a character squiggle instead of an arc. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and they just didn't know quite how to play him. Sometimes he was more you know, humorous, like fish out of water humor. Sometimes he was over the top violent. And, and then eventually we they make him sympathetic by revealing that he was never actually meant to be in the role of the wielder of the Shazam powers in the first place. He was just this uh, cynical, apathetic lout who was uh, keeping his head down and uh, doing his slave work while his idealistic son received the power of Shazam. It's, it's, it's and, literally uh, a corpse moment. I wasn't even supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it's, I do kind of like that twist because it redeems the wizard Shazam a little bit because mm. in Black Adam's original origin, uh, Black Adam or Teth Adam was just this superficially good and decent person whom Shazam chose to wield the power and then like right after he gets it, he immediately goes and... Uh, to the pharaoh's palace and snaps his neck and usurps his power and just gets corrupted by the power absolutely almost right away and yeah. uh, which, which really kind of undermines shazam's authority as like a, a distributor of this power of his now this explanation he did choose the right boy for the job but then the kid makes the mistake of sharing his power with his dad and mm-hmm. then dying immediately yep. afterwards and and things go off the deep end after that so yeah so, so black adam's characterization was all over the place uh and then you know, Shane mentioned the fact that he speaks English right away. It's it, 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 that's just one example of the, the many ways in which the script doesn't ask much of its audience or of itself. It just kind of blithely sidesteps the whole issue of you know, the language barrier and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I feel like Kandak. Uh, there was in the credits there was somebody credited with uh, coming up with a whole language for Kandak, and also coming up with uh, I guess some world building, you know, some details for this fictitious Middle Eastern culture. So I'm glad they went into you know put some effort into developing this, but I wish sure. they put a little more effort into it. And uh, the whole concept of intergang being present, and uh, the, the the whole magical mineral, the Eternium, which uh, you know longtime comics readers know, or there's going to be fragments of uh, the Rock of Eternity where the Wizard of Shazam, the Wizard Shazam, hangs out mm-hmm. most of the time. It's, these are aspects of the uh, you know, plot and setting that needed a little more fleshing out. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, overall, it's an enjoyable ride, but uh, wanting on a couple of fronts. And uh, I, I just didn't get any of the, the that good old Marvel family fun that I was hoping to get out of it. Though I don't know why I was hoping to because nobody at DC <laughs> Studios cares about that. And I don't know why they bothered to say this was based on characters created by Bill Parker and C.C. Beck considering, well, one, it bear, bore almost no resemblance to anything that would actually appear to the old Fawcett comics. And mm. two, Bill Parker had almost nothing to do with the development of the Marvel family beyond writing like the first one or two Captain Marvel stories back hmm. in the 40s. They, they did thank Otto Binder along with uh, the, the very long list of other comics creators Good. to which they gave special thanks in the credits. He, he really should have been up there with C.C. Mm. Uh, Beck and, and Bill Parker because he actually created Black Adam. Yep. Adam, I wanted to ask you, would you have, because this thought went through my mind, so the wizard gave the son the powers and the son gave it to his father mm-hmm. yep it's kind of like uh, billy well in the comics billy yeah. sharing it with uh with freddie freeman to make him right. captain marvel jr 
Right, right. Would it have been better if it would have been the wizard picking Teth Adam to not only restore order in that region, but avenge his son and still realize then, well, we made a mistake anyway? Because they would have been given him the power directly, not involved his son. His son still could have been ideological, trying to do good and just got killed in that way. I'd personally, Shane, I don't think that would have been better because okay. I, I don't think the wizards would have wanted to give power like that to somebody who is in the dark right. headspace. He would have been the Teth Adam would have been in, you know, having just lost his son, mm-hmm. being in a vengeful frame of mind. I think okay. the, the wizards would have I seen did, I, a red flag there and would not have wanted to bestow the power on him that way. I, I like the way they did it here, actually, okay. where they, they gave it to the idealistic young boy and uh, who then was blinded by his affection for his father and his desire to save his father's life, shares his Shazam power with him and then immediately gets killed by enemies and leaving his father, the unworthy one, as the only possessor of the power of Shazam. And that does and it does make sense. I'm not unhappy with it. I, I was just curious. I think oh, to do it the something? other way, yeah, I think to do it the way you said would have to kind of build on what Adam was saying before, and you would have to have him be somewhat noble and pursuing those noble goals and then little by little become corrupted by the power, uh, which would probably, you know, to do it right, you probably have to give at least 40 minutes of your story to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I don't think that they wanted to do that. I, I think in order to do that the way it would play right this would have to be just kind of like one little side movie that they were making instead of like a big you know a big release uh you know if they if they had a lot of movies coming out the way marvel does i think they could have done it that way right yeah Yeah. and i think that would have made sense you almost do it the way uh claremont and burn did the uh you know the the way the the phoenix turned into dark phoenix Mm -hmm. you you build it up little by little if they had had the time, then yes, that 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 would have made a lot of sense. But uh, as we well know, uh, movies have to come in under a certain time now in order to be profitable and in order for people to not start fidgeting in their seats. So that's uh, especially a movie like Black Adam because it doesn't have the built-in audience that you know a right. three-hour movie can command. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yep. Chris, your thoughts? Ah, uh, well. Uh... Ah, okay. So, because I sac- I sacrificed a, a week weeknight, so I gotta get some time in here. I appreciate it. Um, meaning when I went to see the movie, not right now. That's what I think. Um, <laughs> so, I was looking forward to this only in the sense that I think Black Adam is a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I haven't read a ton of them, but the stuff I have read in JSA, for example, I've really enjoyed. It's it's a complicated character. I always appreciate how if they try to apply a character like that in, in television or film. Having said that, so I read a bunch of reviews beforehand, and they were all so negative. I'm like, okay, this movie can't be possibly as bad as they're portraying in all these reviews. I'm figuring all the critics are not comic book people. Let's go see. Let's 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 give it a shot. And as I kind of anticipated, the movie was not as bad as the reviews that I read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's small consolation for me because I didn't think the movie was particularly good either. <laughs> And I, I – first of all, I, I think I like Dwayne Johnson immensely. I love his charisma, his sense of humor. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't in any way fault him for my for my minimal enjoyment of this film. Mm-hmm. I mean – and Murda and everybody I think already hit a lot of the, the right points. I, I think what I would just say is – and for me, 
this applies to not all, but many of the DC films. There's just no heart, ladies and gentlemen. There's just no heart. It, it, it's when I when I watch these movies, I'm like, all right. Oh, they got that one. Yep, they did that too. They had they they connected all those dots. Yep. But there's I I'm not even sure if you can even put it into words. There's just something missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I was kind of bored. Um, Pierce Brosnan was great, but you know Pierce Brosnan's a great actor. Well, yeah. So if you like. Of course he was good, and, and they gave him a great role. Right. The JSA looked great. It was fun to see Adam Smasher doing his thing. Uh, great to see Hawkman. I enjoyed all of that, um, but I, I just I, – I, I can't put it to words. I know Shane has a similar struggle with a lot of these movies. Yeah. They're, yeah. Just, they're just missing the mark. It's just a bit off. It's, it's yeah. off. It's not <sighs> – it's hard for me to find, you know, I'm, I'm someone who talks for a living, so I'm struggling here, you know, but I just, because I think about this a lot over the years, I've seen all these movies. Hey, let, let me try it this way. Let, I'll mention that one of the DC films that I think is is superb, which is the first Wonder Woman film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always go back, goes back <clears throat> to one scene as to why that movie is superb. When she gets out of that trench and she crosses no man's land and you feel the emotion of, this is Wonder Woman. Yeah. And in that moment, I remember thinking, oh, it's Wonder Woman. Like, they got it. And it doesn't matter that it's Black Adam, who is not like a well-known character. It just it just felt like comic book film by the numbers. Yeah. And it, and there's just been too many of these from DC for me. And I'm, I'm dramatically losing interest in all of it. It's just because, you know, I'm getting older. I value my time. That was like two and a half hours. I could have been doing something else. Um, It it just, when you have stories this good, Mm -hmm. come on guys, figure it out. You got to do better. Just these these movies, they're just not that good. That's, that's my general takeaway from the, you you can have all the effects and everything looks good, but there was no heart. There just, there just was no heart. The kid on the skateboard. I'm like, Oh, come on. Like you mean, that was, you mean mean Bart Simpson? that's... Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't interesting. Like, they got the goofy brother doing jokes you've seen in a hundred other comic book films. Yeah. It's all the same stuff, but it's just it's not. No, it just and Black Adam is such is such a a, a complicated character. I would have preferred this as like an HBO series where they actually yes. built up and explained mm-hmm. who Black Adam is, yes. what the torment is, this history, why he acts the way he does. And that probably, if they'd had, again, if they had the correct writers, that might have been really enthralling. This, at least for me, was not enthralling. It wasn't as bad as like these ridiculous over the top, this is the worst movie ever made, reviews that I read. Yeah, no, no, it's not the worst. It's just, nah. So I won't won't watch it again. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I have no desire. That's what I call the uh, internet mentality that everything they review has to be either the best ever or the worst ever. (laughs) And And you know what? Most stuff is somewhere in between. Oh yeah. And And you guys also made a great point. Like take Hawkman, for example, Mm -hmm. that's a show waiting to happen. My God, look at Hawkman's history. (laughs) do A whole series on, where he's been and why he is the way he is. Yeah, and yeah. it would, it'd be amazing if, if all this and, and all this, all this Hodge stole every single scene I, I that th- he was in. I th- yeah. I thought he was excellent in the role, but yes. it was, it was just surface. Like, it's like, Oh, it's Hawkman. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if you but, could do Hawkman. Like they did. Uh, do you remember, uh, did, was anybody here a big fan of black adder, which I loved. Oh, black adder. And yeah. I each seen season, it. each season, which was six episodes would have, a generation of Black Adder. 
And the last episode of each season, all the characters would get killed. And the next season would be the next generation. So it started in Elizabethan times and it ended in World War One. Okay. Uh, Now, you couldn't do it. I mean, you wouldn't do it with Hawkman in the comedy way that Black Adder did, although I guess you could. But you could almost have each one be a reincarnated version of him and do it season by season. And, you know, the other thing I just thought about this that I think another reason why this movie missed the mark for me is that and they've been doing this. They do this too often. They're rushing everything like throw all these characters in there and you don't like there's not a lot of development. And it's just at this stage of the game, I'm just and I'm just from speaking for myself. I'm just I'm just getting bored. I'm like, come on, like you're making the same mistakes over and over again with these movies. Like, do you not get it yet? Like I I, if you're going to do Hawkman. You got HBO, do a whole series on Hawkman. It'll, and if you do it right, it'll be awesome. I don't know. I'm just, my money and my time is too precious at this point. I'm nearly 50 years old, guys. I, I don't have time for this. I just don't. So, you know, they got to do better. The, 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 way that I, the way that I look at this and the way, the way that I state it, I, I begin with, with, uh, with one thing in particular. Friends, I saw a movie that was named after a character where a bunch of other characters show up and through the machinations of the American government are forced to fight the lead character in uh, questionable means and questionable politics, where in the end they come to an agreement and they're all on the basically the same side. But enough about Captain America's Civil War. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Black Adam. I... This this movie is a bunch of story beats, and well put, well put. It, 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 when you when you hit those story beats, okay, sure, right. But we all we just needed more of every single bit of the story, and basically, in the end, and Murd, I'm sure you will agree with me when I make this statement: Black Adam, at its heart, is still a Captain Marvel character. And mm-hmm. for or damn well should be exactly yeah. for you to premiere Black Adam in a solo vehicle, where sure you get the Wizard of Shazam. I mean that's you know at least somewhat yeah. tying it in. It's something, but to to not even mention Captain Marvel once, to not even mention you know Shazam once when he supposedly already exists in this world because this is modern day from what we know unless this is happening somehow before uh the the lightning bolt hit uh, hit billy um then it just it it's it, it's convoluted in that way um I, I there were parts of it that I definitely enjoyed along with you guys there were also parts of it that were just incredibly underdone and underwritten um it was it was like it was like ordering a pizza and the pepperonis raw. It's <laughs> like, like the pizza on the bottom might be all right, but you still have raw pepperoni on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's and that's the problem. It, it just it didn't come together. It, well, go ahead, the Shane. only other thing I will say is I also got very very tired of every single fight scene being slowed oh, down. Oh god. my god! Yes, I'm like, yes. all right, it was okay yeah. at the beginning, like see it a couple yeah. times, but. 
man, it was like 150 times in there where every punch got slowed that, down. That, that actually every drained, drained like, my soul away for yeah. that two hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I agree During those scenes, the music selections didn't make a lot of sense either. Yeah. No. <laughs> no Ennio Morricone at one point, I think. And was it Back in Black was another paint, one? Just paint, because paint, paint it black. Paint it black. Paint it black. Paint yes, it, black. it didn't work and, for the Tom Cruise money back. movie, and it didn't work here either. <laughs> It, it did, however. The movie did feature one of the best uses of uh, Baby Come Back by Player that I have ever <laughs> it, it felt to I, me I like they, that they said, uh, it felt to me like they looked at the catalog of things they could buy and said, okay, which ones are the cheapest to get? Right, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Let's, yeah. let's work those in. Yep. Here's one with the word black in it that we can afford. <laughs> yes, let's use that. <laughs> Yeah, but but I, I must uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ian. I'm no, sorry. I, I, I was just going to touch real quick on what Murd said earlier that you know about, about my Facebook post. Like I went to see a Justice Society movie, and oh hey, great Black Adam cameo. Um, <laughs> is I don't I don't mind the Justice Society in this. I, I think the Justice Society is great, but when the Justice Society is for me essentially the redeeming factor of a movie called Black Adam. That is a major problem. And I almost felt like we got more time with the Justice Society than we got with the supposed lead character that you're supposed to be building uh, a reason to care about. And yeah. no, that we got more character moments with the Justice Society. Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when 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 Dr. Fate, you know, meets his fate in in the movie, it's incredibly, you know, touching and you, you see you see it coming and all that, but well, it's a justice society moment. It's not a black Adam moment. It's a justice society moment. I also kind of think his death was a waste. It really didn't need to happen. That too, yeah. Well, well Pierce Brosnan didn't want to come back to for the ennui of being Doctor Fate for so many years. Is, yeah. This is the way I see it. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a death that it happened because Doctor Fate on some level actually wanted it to happen. Yeah, yeah I get that. It, mm. I yeah, just but do you wasted. sacrifice? Do you sacrifice your life to save the life of somebody you already know is going to get reincarnated if he dies? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we don't know for sure that that's happening with this version of Hawkman, though. Yeah. We, we we want yeah. it to be the case, yeah. but we, we don't know for sure. We also yeah, don't. We also don't know if there's going to be somebody else in the helmet because even though the helmet disappears, like there have been many Doctor Fates over oh, the years, sure. and and and. And on that part, I was perfectly fine with because, again, you expect another guy to get the the helmet and be yeah. Dr. Fate. I get yeah. that. Yep. I thought – on just on a surface point, I thought Dr. Fate looked awesome. Like the costume right. was – I, I thought it was I right on the money. I thought his costume was awesome. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't like the way the helmet was designed without the oh, – without eyeballs. the eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But That's at the end when, when the power came through and did that, I'm like, OK, that makes a little bit more sense now. At least it did that once in the movie. And I was – Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I I was going to say, Pierce Brosnan is rapidly coming up on 70. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I would say he, on the screen, if if I had no idea who he was and he said, how old do you think this guy is? I would say he's at least 10 years younger than he is. Oh, definitely. Uh, Which which is one of the things that's always been one of my pet peeves about the Justice Society is because you want to make them come from World War II. They would be, uh, what what are the, I, I, What's after octogenarians? Nondegenarians? Yeah, they're in their 90s. <laughs> they would be, yeah, they'd be in their 90s by now. So yeah. you can't really do that anymore unless you have them come through some sort of a time warp or something. Yeah. But I like them being older. You know, you, you don't want them in their 30s and or even 20s right. and in oh, their yeah. prime. Yeah. You want them to be the experienced, crusty guys in their 40s and 50s, but still, you know, capable of, of mixing it up if they have to. 
so he really kind of fit the role and did not feel like a 70 year old on the screen. No, no, no I, I thought he was really well, well done. Although having, I, I was having his, good, good. having his death, uh, mimic Dr. Strange in infinity mm. war so much, uh, where he's coming up with the, all these ideas. He's coming up with all these different visions of what the future could be. He's, he's coming, bringing it all together and then realizes the only way for it to happen is to sacrifice himself. Uh, felt very reminiscent to infinity war in that way. Um, and it honestly didn't even come to me until we were talking here uh, that, that that was the case, where you get your mystical, magical doctor in, and this one just happens to be fate instead of strange, and it's so similar. But, eh, you know, what? It, I, I can't win them all on that one. <laughs> yeah, speaking of similarities to Doctor Strange, I did kind of miss the circular amulet of Anubis mm, yeah. <laughs> right under his helm, but uh, they probably changed that because they expected people would cry foul because it looks sure. like amulet of, of the Eye of Agamotto on yeah. Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yep. Good no, you're probably right. Yep. What were we going to say, Chris? I, I'm sorry. No, I just, I mean, it was just, I enjoyed seeing Henry Cavill return. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope, you know, they, they use Superman effectively in whatever plans they have for him uh, going forward. Two thoughts. Yeah, me too. Two immediate thoughts. One, yeah. uh, well, more statements than thoughts. One, um, that entire cameo happened entirely because of Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwayne Johnson. Yep. Uh, his management is the same management as Henry Cavill's. So he was able to use that connection to get in touch with Henry. He went over the head of still at the time head of DC, uh, you know, uh, studios, Walter Hamada, and went over his head and contacted Henry and was like, look, I want you in this. You want to be in this. I know you want to be Superman. Let's make this happen. Henry Cavill brought a Superman suit he wanted to wear and, huh. and and uh and made it happen. Initial test screenings, you just see him from the from the waist and you don't actually see the head. And they thought that that worked great, but they actually needed Henry and they got him and they they shot it. It was the last thing they shot. They put it together and they made it happen. Two mid-credit scenes do not make a movie. Um and no. and, and, <laughs> and although I was thrilled with that return. I want to see Henry Cavill actually play Superman. Um, you all know my thoughts on Man of Steel. I'm not a, <laughs> not, not a fan. Agree with them for the most part. Yep. Uh, I've but, been a defender of Man of Steel and court abuse for it over the years. <laughs> well, I, I defend most of the film as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And I would I would never I would never say that anybody is wrong for liking a film. You know, whatever their tastes are. You know, by all means, as it's a movie. We, it's as, not that important. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we got we got better things to do in life. But I I just I want to see a hopeful Superman, and I think that Henry does as well. And we're going to probably see a very different take on Superman played by the same actor the next time that he comes around. And yeah. hopefully it'll it'll turn out wonderful. You know, we have time. But I thought that was also a reflection of what we were talking about earlier with the DC film management. Yeah. Uh, not really having a direction, you know, it was announced. Oh, we've, we've cut ties with Cavill. That's over. That Superman is, you know, no longer uh, part of our cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. And now he's back again. So it just shows you that, you know, decisions are either made rashly or they've, uh, I I don't even know sometimes what the decision-making process there, but I think it's a positive to bring him back Mm -hmm. because I think any 
complaints I have, which are pretty much Batman v Superman and Justice League related, uh, as far as the character portrayal, yeah. have been with regard to the writing and the directing, not yes. the acting mm-hmm. and not the look. Yeah, yeah, and and for that matter, now this is the second movie that Superman has showed up involving a Shazam character because yeah. you know without his head being shown, he was in that last scene of of Shazam. Yep. So, so yeah, you know, further establishment. That's it. And so, I've what you're telling gonna... me is these these decisions. I should look for my Blue Beetle Booster Gold team up movie and a Jack Knight Starman movie coming anytime. Yes, you're, well, you're, any you're, day now. You're, you're getting any day now. You're getting you're getting Jaime Reyes pretty soon. Uh, that's that's in that's in post production. Not enough. Not enough. And that's, it's that's good. The, that's that's the kid from Cobra Kai. Yes, it is. Yeah. Like yeah. Jaime Reyes. Mm-hmm. You know, Shane, if they were going to do Starman again. That's a TV show. It's a T it's gotta be a TV yeah. show. Like yeah. you, what what's frustrating is that when you when you look at the, how deep DC's history is, a lot of it's better served by high like high production value television series. Yeah. Because if you want to develop like go into the weight of these characters, you, you I mean, in, in many cases, uh, like uh, doing a film, especially if you're trying to cram all this stuff in, it, it just it's not gonna work. And it hasn't been working, at least for me as a viewer. For, for most of these films, it just hasn't worked. Yeah, yeah. Just give me an eighty episode run, no, no problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, uh, sure. Let's let, let, let's do that. We'll get right on that, Shane. We'll get right on sure, that. Sure. Thank um, you. <laughs> and and be- be- before before we get to you know final thoughts and what have you, I do want to point out. I was a huge fan of. Uh, I've been a ho- huge fan of Noah Centineo ever since he showed up in uh, for all the for all the uh, boys I loved before, uh, which is a Netflix uh, uh, series of movies. And I think he did a damn good job as Adam Smasher. Oh, um, I, I thought he was. I thought he was very charming. Yeah, I really he, liked his yeah. performance. He was great. Um, and uh, same can be said for uh, for the actress who played uh, Cyclone. I think Quintessa Swindell did a pretty good job. Uh, she had, I think, the least character building out of out of everything. Even though we did get her origin thrown in there to explain, you know, how she became Cyclone, uh, we could have gotten a bit more of her, but. It's 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 juggling you know it's juggling plates like you, there's only so much you can do with the amount of exactly. time you have so yeah um, and Bart Simpson I think uh, Amon <laughs> Amon was uh, all right although I kept expecting a similar turn to what happened you know with the boy making his father uh, Black Adam I fully expected power to be granted at some point during this uh, this movie sure. it well it, it will Isis be. and Osiris they were right yeah. there exactly yeah. yep yep. They could have. They could have did it, and they might do it perhaps in a sequel. But uh, they I, I did think yep. at the end of the movie that was going to happen mm-hmm. with the two of them. Yeah, yeah. They they seem to be definitely setting it up as a potential for later on. But uh, don't have a cow man. It's not what happened. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Caramba. There's only so much we can say about a movie that's so so. Uh, I think. I think in the end, it's Dwayne Johnson himself is a real life superhero, and he wanted to make a superhero movie, and he mm-hmm. did. So. And I'm, and I'm glad he did, knowing it was a it really was a passion project oh, for him for years, years, oh, absolutely. Yeah, years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, since uh, since the beginnings of the Snyderverse, like they they had been talking about it, like since the yep. beginnings of uh, I think over ten years, this was in the planning stages. Until I read an interview with him, he said he said he said it goes back fifteen years. He's been lobbying for this. Yeah, he still had hair. He still had hair when this. <laughs> when this was there. Hey. Well, uh, how many how many fracking swears would we uh, would we give it, uh, gentlemen? Uh, Shane, what, what do you give it? Eh, three, three and a half. I, I give it about a two and a half. That's about the best I can give it, probably. Uh, Murd, two point nine. Nice, Chris. 
Ian, I'm with, I'm with you. 2.5. Okay. And Paul? What's the highest number? Out of five. Five. So I'm cutting it right to 2.5. I'm going to say right in the middle. You know, could it, it like like I started off, could have been better, could have been worse. It was okay. I, did, I didn't walk away feeling like I needed that time of my life back again uh, <laughs> or that I wasted it. But it, it just so often my criti- my my critiques of things like this are that it's a lost opportunity because it could have been better. Mm-hmm. Jeez, the, see, I didn't think being a three would be the, the high mark. Ooh, I thought it'd be more in the middle there with everybody. Uh, it's, the three, three says to me better than average. Oh yeah. And, and if two, that's why I went with 2.5 average. And, and for the, for the, yeah, exactly. 2.5 being smack dab in the middle. I mean the, the Rotten Tomatoes on this was 40%. So honestly us being where we are, that's pretty. And Ian, how is it performing financially? Financially it's done fine. Yeah, it's um, number one movie good. in the world. Okay, uh, it. Uh, uh, <laughs> they said that it was the number one uh, Dwayne Johnson movie where he is the only real star. <laughs> so, like, they, they they took out all the uh, Fast and Furious movies. They can't they can't have compare any of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's now at two hundred and fifty million dollars globally. Uh, th- uh, th- as of two days ago. Uh, what was this budget? We, uh, budget was that's a that's a good question. I'll have to look that up in a sec. Um, but. According to Wikipedia, it's 195 to 200 million, okay. which says it's got to get up to 500 million. Yeah. Does it have to be like two and a half times now? Thereabouts, yeah. And it'll probably get but, to about 400 or 450, probably once it's all said and done, um, because it, it's still doing well. It really hasn't dropped off that much uh, in in uh, in what's there. And also, there's no competition until until what kind of forever yeah. comes out. There's no competition, so yeah. so it's got at least a, at least two or three more weeks of, of building stuff up. And then uh, Wakanda Forever comes out, and it's immediately number five at the box office. Like that's that that's just what how it's going to go. Well, I think the the one anticipation of Black Panther film is just going to crush everything, basically. Yeah. yeah definitely. So, but uh, See, I, I wonder with the, the Black Panther movie, the lack of Chadwick Boseman is that going to cost it at the box office? No, I don't. Think I don't so. think so. I, don't I, don't think think so. I doubt it. No. No. I, in fact, I think, I, I think I more think, people are going to see it, wondering what is going to happen yeah. next than, yeah. than otherwise. I think that movie That's became a too. became a cultural phenomenon. So. Yeah. But, but I think it that. did largely on on his charisma. Oh, you're right. You're uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why I was just thinking that there might be people out there when you know, oh, he's not in it. You know, like they may not even realize he passed away, well, and then they say, yeah, I don't need to go see that. One one thing, Paul, that it has going for it right now are two of the strongest trailers I have seen for a movie outside of the movie Barbarian, uh, where I was anticipating it like more than 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 anything um and the two trailers that have come out so, so far for wakanda forever paint a story you get just enough for you to to really sink your teeth in and hopefully that'll be enough to get everybody to the seats. yeah those trailers are, are absolutely riveting um like i actually find just the teaser the the oh, teaser yeah. got me got me emotional like yes you really felt like the, uh, you can feel they're going epic with this film. Like it's mm-hmm. going to be, it's going to be a huge movie. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of just what they're going to show us. Cause it has to, cause it's Namor. So it okay. has to be yep. basically. So yeah. And there's something Namor in his own way. I feel the connection to black Adam, uh, you know, the anti-hero from the oh, golden yeah. age. Absolutely. Uh, yep. 
in appointed years. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 a ruler for that matter. Uh yeah. so yeah. But uh there's only one thing that I anticipate more than that, and that is playing this. <laughs> Oh, man, did he sell it? Woo! Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Nobody sells it better than Murd, and it's time once again for Muddle the Murd here on Comic Geek Speak. And Murd will explain more, but before he does, a reminder: please send in your Muddle the Murds. We will have a yet again a post on the on the Facebook group as a reminder for that. But we are getting low in the queue. <gasps> So please, please, please send in those muddle the murds so that we can continue to attempt to muddle the murd. And now Murd will tell you how you do that. All right. If you'd like to be a part of our muddle the murd segment, you need to come up with some comics trivia questions, folks. A uh, successful uh, muddle the murd entry consists of three comics trivia questions: a Marvel question, a DC question, and a third question about some other publisher's wares. Uh, they also need to break down chronologically to one question about comics pre-1970, one about comics published between 1970 and 2000 inclusive, meaning that the years 1970 and 2000 are part of that uh, bracket, and one third question about uh, comics post-2000. Uh, don't forget to include your answers to these questions. Uh, please confine yourself to uh, story content. Don't ask questions about letters, pages, advertisements, like the physical dimension of the comic itself. Just, you know, plot, character, that, that, that kind of thing. And don't go too, too granular or microscopic in detail with it. You know, we're, we're not looking for questions about, like, how many fish appear in, uh, like, panel three of page five of Aquaman, volume <laughs> two, number six. Uh, just... <laughs> Fairly, fairly major and relevant information, please. If, if, if you go too much into the minutia, our uh, referee Ian might uh, rule the question out of bounds. Indeed. So come up with those three questions and email them to comicgeekspeak at gmail.com with Muddle the Murd in the subject line. Ian will find them there. Ian will ask your questions of me when the appointed time arrives. And if I get all three of them wrong, if I fail to get a single one of them correct, you will have Muddle the Murd. And you will then be entitled to a spectacular prize, which I will personally mail to you at my own expense. Indeed. And what is said prize of the moment? Uh, well, we are still offering this uh, fine Tomorrow's publication here. It's uh, Comic Book Artist Bullpen. It's a uh, tribute to uh, the uh, short-lived but well-regarded uh, fanzine Comic Book Artist Bullpen. It is edited by John Cook, who was also the publisher of the fanzine the first time around, and it collects all seven issues of that fanzine, which includes uh, career-spanning interviews with such renowned artists as... Uh, George Tuska, Fred Hembeck, Terry Beatty, uh, plus an all-star super spectacular tribute to Jack Abel. And it's there's lots of interviews and lots of uh, reproductions of original art inside, and it's all underneath this uh, fine Jack Kirby baseball cover. Excellent. Everything comic artists produced was superb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what better time to offer it while smack dab in the middle of the World Series. So there we go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so this uh, this attempt comes from Jerry Harrington uh, from Ohio- Iowa City, Iowa. And uh, Jerry has uh, these preamble words to say. Geeks, please accept these questions to throw at Murd. You guys are great. 
I rave to my non-comic book friends about you, and of course, they care not, but I feel good about doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for putting in a good word to the muggles, Jerry. <laughs> to the muggles. <laughs> That's all I'm going to call them from this point forward, the, uh, the comic yeah, book the muggles. muggles. Yep. I especially love your comic history specials. I've been collecting since the early 1960s and have taught several wow. college courses on the history of comic books. Ah, very good to hear. Anyway, here are the questions three. And we begin with independent pre-1970. All right. In the early 1960s, Archie Comics published a series of Archie Andrews as a young boy, Little Archie. Unlike the light comedy tone of the other comics about the Riverdale crew, this series contains stories placing Little Archie in more serious tales of adventure, mystery, and intrigue. One of the recurring villains in this series is a green-skinned nemesis who vows to rule the world, only to find his exploits foiled time and again by Little Archie. What is this villain's name? Wow. <laughs> I'm very sorry that I don't know the answer to this. Not just because it takes me one step closer to a muddle, but also because it sounds like a really interesting character. It sure does. Great question. I finally dug out my big, thick uh, 80 Years of Archie digest to read over the summer, so I did read some little Archie stories, nice. but this green-skinned individual was not in any of them. So <sighs> I'm going to say Skulker and uh, call it a day. <laughs> any guesses from the peanut gallery? <laughs> All right. Nope. Well, it is a familiar name, uh, but it is not the familiar name that we think it is. It is the I, Mad Doctor Doom. I was wow. going to say I cheated and looked on Wikipedia and found. <laughs> that doesn't ring a bell, actually. Yep. So, Mad Doctor Doom is. It says not to be confused with Marvel Comics Doctor Doom. Mad Doctor Doom is a green-skinned mad scientist who has terrorized Archie and the gang since they were children as they constantly foiled his plans of gaining great wealth and conquering the world. Doom was assisted by Chester, his nitwitted teenage slacker of an assistant, occasionally said to be his nephew. Chester looks and acts like a stereotypical 1950s juvenile delinquent. They both made at least one appearance in the mainstream comics. Nice. Have greasy hair and a switchblade? Oh, okay. Wow. I would imagine. He has to. He has to, clearly. <laughs> All right, one down, two to go. Uh, let's head over to Marvel 1970 to 2000. The Age of Apocalypse began mm. when Charles Xavier is accidentally killed by his son Legion, altering existence as we know it. In one of the eight revamped X-series, Gambit and the X-Ternals, mm -hmm. Gambit and his team are sent on an interstellar mission by the now-reformed Magneto to steal the Emkron crystal to help reset reality. When Gambit later enters the crystal, he meets the guardian of the crystal, who knows of Xavier's death and that this reality isn't supposed to exist at all. What is this character's name? Wow. Hmm. And I'm positive that some 30 years ago I read this because I had all the Age of Apocalypse stuff. <laughs> But no, I, I don't remember Gambit having a conversation with anyone inside the Uncron Crystal. So, hmm. Well, you know what? I, I think it was during this miniseries that we finally learned what Deathbird of the Shi'ar's real name was. So I'm just going to say that as my guess. Okay. Calci. <laughs> well, the uh, correct answer is uh, J-A-H-F. So, Ja'af. 
Joff. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Joff Johns. No, Joff. Just Joff. <laughs> <laughs> There's that borscht belt. Oh, I feel uh, better already. You're welcome. And let's head down to the final question. This one. Bird. DC post 2000. All right. As we head over to Supergirl number one, cover date October 2005. Our tale begins with Kara explaining to another woman the story of her trip to Earth from Krypton, complete with a stopover of suspended animation. Who is this other character? I'm pretty sure it turned out to be Power Girl. You came so close. (laughs) The answer is Stargirl. Oh. Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mm. That wasn't going to be my second guess, actually. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. The two of the three questions are about comics that I have read, and I'm pretty sure that I've read Supergirl number one within the last two years. So, <laughs> well, you sort of picture the Ian Churchill artwork. Oh man. Well, what? Like I said, what better time to to give away a uh, a baseball book? And smack dab in the middle of the World Series as uh, Jerry, congratulations, you have muddled the murd. Mm-hmm. Jerry, great questions. Yep. And yeah. Jerry, keeping the faith by teaching about comics, even better. Indeed. Yep. Our, our hats go off to you, Jerry. Yes, so, indeed. Indeed. Yep. yep. Your comic book artist bullpen compendium will be heading your way very soon. Excellent. Yep. And that frees us up next time we do a muddle the murd to give away a special prize donated by. Mr. Ah, Eberle. That's right. Ah, there we go. Terrific. And you'll find that out next time. (laughs) (laughs) So get those submissions in. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's uh, let's talk some comics. If for some reason we don't have enough time to talk She-Hulk, then we'll talk that in a separate episode. But I want to get some actual comic book conversation in before we actually get to that. Um, So um, if you don't, if you guys don't mind, I'll start things off. because uh, I I haven't read a lot, but I've read enough to discuss. First off, DC Infinite uh, changed their offering recently. Um, they are now the premier source of quick digital, and that is a one month wait. Mm. That's it. They are one month behind yep. retail now. Um, yep. If you pay ninety nine, I think it's ninety nine dollars a, uh, a year rather than I think the sixty nine dollars a year that they were offering. And and I think the ninety nine is ninety nine ninety nine is through some kind of mid November. Yes. Then it goes up to I think one twenty something like that. Yeah. All I know is that I, I my uh, subscription was supposed to initially renew in February. And I was able to basically use the rest of my subscription to get two months free, and now it'll renew in December. Um, well, that's what mine said too. And then my confirmation email for that said in seven days it'll be charged. And I'm like, wait a minute. What? And I sent an email off to them, and they're like, no, no, that's right. The two month thing was a glitch that they fixed. It was oh, incorrect. Great. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I got because mine was supposed to renew in December. Yeah. So I kind of got messed out of the two months nah. and in the next couple of days I'm supposed to re-up at the 99 but I'm gonna just grin and bear it because I'd rather have the one month wait for some things all right fair enough yeah I mean and yeah I'm I'm now because of that entirely caught up on Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths I read issue five um as uh which recently came out and 
it it continues to feel more and more like an actual crisis story uh each issue um especially with the way that they've been building it like there there's teams splitting off and facing and, and facing off against against individuals uh there's darkness involved you know the great darkness and all that um and uh and obviously pariah being the main person behind it my continued concern, though, is that major story beats, and in this way, it's more like Final Crisis than it is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Major story beats are happening in one shots, separate from the main story. There's a Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, the Green uh, one shot uh, yep. that was that was written by Ram by Ram V and uh, and a couple of others, where a major story beat from this issue happens, and if you didn't read it. All you get is the character showing back up and being like, hey, we found Pariah's chair. Like, okay, great. And then see this issue for more. Like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll see that issue for more. But part of me still wishes that that story was being told in the main miniseries itself. But that's also modern storytelling in the way that they decide to do it. Um, yeah. The art continues to be superb. There are some splash pages in this that are beyond excellent. Um, and some of my favorite portrayals of certain characters that have happened in quite some time. And overall, it's a, it's a good story. I, it's just now we have two issues to go. So they have two issues to stick the landing. <laughs> Whether or not they do, we'll have to find out. <laughs> Shane, what did you think of issue five? Uh, I am on issue two. Oh, you're right. I'm behind. Two. Okay. Uh, um, okay. I'm behind as well on that, yeah. But because of, of getting that DC infinite upgrade i started reading them on there because i can carry them all around with me nice okay and and it it gave me this nice little layout of all the issues in order Mm -hmm. right on the app by just clicking the one button so i'm just gonna go right through those yeah that that, that's incredibly useful their layout's gotten better and better as time as time has gone on as well yeah Um, i agree and and i can also catch up even further on nightwing which i'm going to chris so that's yep that's same here that's next up for me um, but I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm digging it. This was, this was also kind of the return of the Justice League. We knew it was going to happen, so they're, mm-hmm. they're now back in the fray of the fight uh, as, uh, as things move forward, and we get to an, an infinite Earths. Which one we get, we'll find out. So uh, that, that green issue also had a lot more Justice Society. So we had, uh, we had Jade and Obsidian in there as well, along with. Uh, uh, their father, uh, Alan Scott, uh, as they literally go into Alan's ring in order to com- uh, commune with the green. Um, and uh, both oh. both versions of Swamp Thing come in there as well uh, as, as part of it. So good stuff. I, I reread issue zero, issue one, and the Young Justice issue one, which I loved. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun for how they wrote it to kind of be classic Young Justice, I'll say. Yeah, at the moment. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I need, I need to read that Young Justice miniseries. You know what? That's next. That's next <laughs> <laughs> for the Young Justice fan and me. That that has to be read sooner than later. Um, yeah. The the other things that I've gotten to, uh, I started reading. I'm halfway through Saga Volume Ten. Uh, now that now that I have it, um, and uh, it is everything that Saga should be, which is freaking awesome didn't miss a beat from the hiatus not a beat none whatsoever i'm glad i waited though i'm glad i waited to read volume nine until right before volume 10 came out Mm -hmm. because now everything is like super duper fresh in my mind 
you know, no spoilers outside of the fact that there was yet another time jump. There's tons of time jumps in Saga. That's to be expected. Um, and uh, there's a lot of pirating going on uh, in, uh, in, in, uh, in this volume 10 here and some rock and roll for that matter. Yes, there uh, is. Yep. So that's uh, it's it's great. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples continue to be one of my favorite duos in comic book creation and excellent visuals this time around. Like the, the pirate ship, the first time that we see this pirate ship, which is this kind of like floating skull in space. Yep. Superb. So looking forward to finishing that. Uh, I've got about two issues to go on that. Um, when I was uh, done with New York Comic Con, uh, as you guys know, I, I headed into Boston for a wedding, and I got to experience Newberry Comics for the first time. Oh, oh. Nice. Um, Newberry Comics is basically Boston's Midtown Comics. It's easily their biggest... Uh, it's a chain of stores, uh, even more so than Midtown is. Uh, but... One of their premier ones is right in downtown Boston, and it has trades, singles, manga. Uh, you can buy records there. You can buy action figures, T-shirts. It's two full f- full fours of an excellent store. And they were doing a buy one, get one 50% off sale when I was there. Um, so I picked up uh, volume one of She-Hulk by Rainbow Rowell. Uh, and I picked up the final volume of Paper Girls because I hadn't gotten volume six yet. So I, I picked that up as my 50%. And then from there, uh, we also picked up Hollow, uh, which is uh, by Shannon Waters, uh, Brandon Boyer-White, and uh, Bernice Nell. This is one of the more pr- premier like young adult books. Uh, it's coming out of Boombox. Uh, and uh, the story about it is, uh, just to read off the back here, uh, Isabel Crane and her family have just reclo- relocated to Sleepy Hollow, the town made famous by and obsessed with the legend of the Headless Horseman. But uh, city slicker skeptic Izzy has no time for superstition as she navigates life at a new school. Ghost stories aren't real, after all. Ooh. Shocking. <laughs> they are. Um, and it, it's it's really, it, it's it's great all ages uh, comic book storytelling in this book here. Um, highly recommend it. Hollow, give it a shot if you're looking for it. Um, the other thing that I picked up at New York Comic Con that I wanted to discuss that might be of interest of some of you folks, Pop Star Assassin in Suspicious Minds. <laughs> <laughs> this, l- l- let, me, let me read the back of this here. The year is 1977. The king is dead as the world mourns. But when a mysterious briefcase turns up in his dressing room, Bruce, a coke-addled Elvis impersonator, finds himself wedged between a mob boss out to avenge the death of his only son and a government conspiracy with far-reaching, world-ending ramifications, all in an attempt to discover the true identity of his father's killer. I mean... Can you get better than that? No, it sounds good to me. <laughs> get behind that. <laughs> it's it, it's it's just it, it's just the type of like insanity that I want from this. I can basically see the movie in my head. Terrific artwork, uh, holding it up here to the to the screen. Like you get great spreads like that that are bathed in color uh, as as they're uh, uh, you know as they're going through it here. It was the one book that I that I bought while I was at New York Comic Con on that on that uh, Thursday, and it's uh, by Behemoth, and it's well worth checking out. So, 
give it a shot. Pop star assassins in suspicious minds. Rated R, as it says, <laughs> as it says here on the cover. Mm-hmm. And I got one more for you. Let's make dumplings. Ugh. This, 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 this one Martha picked up. Uh, it's a accessible, easy to follow comic book cookbook for bringing Asian dumplings into the home kitchen with recipes for savory and sweet dumplings, dipping sauces, riffs, and more from the authors of Let's Make Ramen. I have to get let's I have to get Let's Make Ramen also. But this is like it's very descriptive with the artwork and it's it's a great way to figure out how the heck to make yourself some yummy uh, yummy food. So I'm nice. all I'm all for it and I love recommending food books and this is Right up my alley. So yeah, let's let's make dumplings here uh, by Hugh Amano and Sarah Bacon. And uh, I think that's that's my bulk of reading that I've done in recent memory. So good stuff. Shane, what do you got? Well, I said the 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 Dark Crisis books that I'm starting to read again. Mm-hmm. I did um, <laughs> I did receive in my latest shipment the 20th anniversary of Hush. Oh, hardback. No. Mm. God, Shame and disappointed. The, the 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 dust jacket's beautiful. The hard cover is gorgeous. The inside, I forget what they're called, pages that you kind of paste in are yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. The paper they used is horrific. Oh no! It's thin, shiny. Uh, <laughs> I thought candy. it'd be more more archivalish. More omnibusish. I don't know. Yeah, it, I was disappointed. So, like, I'm trying to read it, and I, I read through the first issue, and I'm like tilting it and moving because it's it's reflecting the light that's around me. I'm like, I can't see the damn book. <sighs> so I was disappointed. Uh, one of your busy, one of your biggest pet peeves, right there, and they just yeah. happened to fall right into it. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, I thought I thought we had gotten past all of that paper crap, yeah. and it was going to be a little bit nicer. But yeah, the 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 and and the the Q and A in the beginning, there's there's a few pages of that between uh, Jim Lee and Jeff Loeb, which is is awesome to read. That was a lot of fun, um, even though it was with the crappy paper. Yeah. But uh, yeah, once you get into the story, I was totally disappointed. Totally pulled me right out of it. Uh, but it's it's still a nice a nice compilation. I've uh, just picky about the paper <laughs> so close they came so close so close yeah so close yeah <laughs> uh, uh, well um i don't think i really read anything else i read the first batman issue of the new run mm-hmm. um i started to thumb through blue and gold again because i got a trade paper of that nice which that's that's awesome if you haven't read it um i will be, really, I will be uh, reading that on the app very shortly actually so yeah. uh, i'll be talking nice. about that when it's my turn yep nice excellent <laughs> uh you, you pick up any new toys uh yep the the gi joe cobra stinger came in uh in the mail the other day um so that was kind of cool it's it was on a pulse exclusive and it's sold out i guess so i'm I'm does it come with with the trooper or no oh yeah yeah it comes with a trooper he's in there um i never had a great uniform wow i had a few gi joe vehicles but i never had a stinger um and it was 34 dollars wow in this in this market in this day and age, that's pretty cheap for a toy like this with a figure. Yeah, um, that's not bad at all. But yeah, it's 
it's pretty close to the original one. A little bit of variations on on what they chose to do with the color scheme, but mm-hmm. it, it was a lot of fun to put together. I felt like I was ten years old putting a, a GI Joe toy together, which I was, but I felt <laughs> vintage. Like, it, and it came in the box with the vintage artwork and stuff like that. Other than that, oh, I did get this. I really wanted one of these, but I could not bring myself to care enough to buy one until they came out with the version that's John Favreau Ooh. as um, <laughs> what's what's his name? They get Paz Vizla, yeah, from the Mandalorian. So once because he does the voice of ah. this character in the show, which yeah. I didn't know. Um, but when they came out with that version of it, I'm like, all right, that I can get. <laughs> um, but nice. That's that's about it. There's all kinds of G.I. Joe stuff on pre-order because they're so far behind on shipping. Of course. Yeah, we'll see. Nice. But that's about it. Paul, what do you got for us? Well, as you are probably well aware from my show, I really don't embrace modern comics too much. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) And I, I, you know, lately what I find is somebody will come on and they'll recommend a book that will do. And I read it and say, Boy, I have to read this series. Boy, I have to read this series. And it it ends up turning into Merd's time bubble because I end up with a stack <laughs> of things in my queue that that despite my intense desire to read them all, mm-hmm. just sit there. Yep. Uh, but for whatever reason, of late, I found myself pulling out my Marvel masterworks of uh, the original Silver Surface series, and I've been making my way through oh, that. Nice. Uh, nice. As well as reading some early Submariner books. Nice. Uh, and by early, I mean of his solo series after Tales to Astonish, right. not Golden Age. <laughs> nice. I'm actually, you know, I, I, I still actively buy what falls into my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. uh, most of which is pre, most of which is pre-crisis. Yeah. Uh, and I have now gotten to the point where I need one issue of that Submariner series to finish it off. Issue wow. number nine, for some reason, has escaped me. So close. You you can taste it. You can taste it. Yeah. Wow. You know, and, and that's when you get to the point where, you know, okay, I was buying all these issues for somewhere between five and fifteen dollars each. And now this one is thirty dollars, but I needed to complete my series, so I'm gonna do it. And you spend the money, and then a week later you see it for three ninety nine somewhere. Oh. oh damn. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what I've been doing. I've just been Going in in mostly in John Buscema ways uh, of late, and I, 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 the thing that I marvel at all the time is that here's a guy who apparently had no love for drawing superheroes, mm-hmm. and I love his superhero work so much. <laughs> he was notorious for saying that in interviews all the time. Yeah, he, he loved yeah. doing Conan, but not any of the superhero characters, supposedly. Yeah, okay. yeah, but he had you know, and and it's funny because I always fall back on that. I say I always enjoy watching. Uh, an artist, if it's like a singer in concert or, a, you know, an actor or a comic book, whatever, when you when you know that the person who's performing for you has a love of what they're doing, that kind of comes through mm, and, sure. and it makes you appreciate it even more. And to sit there and think that this guy didn't even really love what he was doing and yet I can appreciate it so much. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine what he would have put on paper if I if he did love what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, and that, that that's that's something to say right there. I mean, you know, like some somebody who put out such absolute gorgeous stuff. You don't. I, I guess you don't have to love your job in order to do it. But it's 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 fascinating to think about that. You know, when you're dealing with art art 
you know, autistic people, you would think that passion is what would drive them to be so creative. So if you don't have the passion for it, how do you do that? I just Mm -hmm. don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Big John Buscema. I mean, I'm right with Paul. He's one of my all time favorite comic book artists Mm -hmm. and his career was so extensive. I mean, he went from what the 1950s at least into the like year 2000 or so. So there's such an immense body of work. And Paul's right. I mean, I've read many interviews where either Buscema himself or contemporaries would say, like, yeah, he always would poo-poo the superhero books. But I have to wonder if he actually really meant it or was he just kind of being a curmudgeon just to be a curmudgeon? Because he also did – he did he, he taught art classes. He did that How to Draw Comics, the Marvel Way book. Obviously, yeah. he was he was a master craftsman who clearly took pride in what he was doing. And his Avengers stuff especially is just it's, – it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. It, it may be a case of, yeah, I love doing this, but I love doing Conan even more. Yeah. And, and yeah, in comparison, he, he downplayed the superhero stuff because, I mean, his Conan stuff is unbelievable, oh. too. So yeah. it's not like <laughs> it's not like you could say, oh, yeah, he did the superhero stuff better. <laughs> not at all. I mean, he, he was he was amazing. Absolutely. Yep. Chris, what do you got for us? A wide variety, brother. So um, first and foremost, I don't have it in front of me, but I got the blue and gold trade. And it was the first thing I read when I opened my shipment because I was so looking forward to it because I read the first couple issues, lost track of it, and I waited for the trade. Shane, I got to tell you, <laughs> I was laughing out loud. Yep. I, I mean, I've read a little bit of the Bwahaha. I have the whole Baha omnibus. I haven't read the whole thing. So I'm, I'm familiar with the basic beats of their dynamic, but I'm not as nearly as well-versed as you are. This is like the first like like really like lengthy booster gold blue beetle story I've read. It was everything I anticipated and wanted and more. Yeah. It, you just so felt like plus because Dan Jerkins is writing, you so felt the history of their partnership, oh, you know, sure. the humor, the wisecracks. Um, I mean, Booster is such a magnificent jackass. I, I mean, it, it's <laughs> yeah. it, 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 yeah. I, I gotta tell you, it, it was it was a complete delight. And and if when we do our, our awards for the year, I'm going to leave that to you to nominate for best miniseries of the year. But um, it, it it's 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 it deserves that nomination. It, it is. I was thoroughly entertained. I hope they do a sequel because yeah, me too. Um, it, it, and one question because I, I, it doesn't matter, but I'm just just for continuity's sake. Did Blue Beetle not die in the new universe? They're just ignoring it. Uh, no, I don't think he died in the new universe in the okay. rebooted one. Um, I, there's I, been a. I think that with, I think that with New Fifty Two, it got reset, and then when yeah. they reset New Fifty Two, he continued to be reset. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering because I, I mean, the, the, that whole uh, was a countdown. Yes. When yep. he was killed. Yep. That was a very good story, actually. Oh, um, it was. Yeah. yeah. It was. I, I'm sure you weren't happy when they blew his head off, but oh god, no. <laughs> um, but um, it's just it's great to see. When you have the creator of of Booster Gold writing the book, and obviously he's very well versed with their dynamic, the two characters, I, I just it was it was what a what a breath of fresh air to read this story. Yeah, I actually somehow I was ordering a couple Nightwing trades for my son who wanted to read them. Um, he was just picking somewhere, so he was picking like the the four or five of the New Fifty Two because it was a good starting point for him. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to make up free shipping on it. So I ordered one of these from in-stock trades 
not realizing I had already ordered one from DCBS as well. <laughs> so then I gave one copy to a coworker at work who I had just introduced the Bwahaha League oh, nice. to her by giving her the New Beginning trade paperback. Um, so I said, this is like two opposite ends of the spectrum as far as time goes, mm-hmm. but they really do go together. So if you read this and you like it, you're going to get a kick out of this. So. Definitely, yeah. She said she'd let me know what she thought. Yeah, okay. well, Shane, I, I was thinking of you as I went went through it, and I figured if this gets Shane seal of approval, which I know it does. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I loved it. Uh, yep. So otherwise, uh, well, the new Human Target came out in my last shipment after the after the brief. Yeah, I have to read that. <laughs> it's just that it, there really isn't anything better. Um, yeah, it, it, it's. Fire, Fire is introduced as a character in this latest issue. Oh, cool! Uh, Shane, Shane, you're going to enjoy that. Um, it's it's when when that's done, and I even treated myself, even though I don't need it, I treated myself to the first six issue hardcover too, just because I wanted to read it again. <laughs> um, that's like I took a page out of your book, Shane. Um, and I'll probably I'm get, trying to hold off just to get the whole yeah, collection. I'll probably get the second half. Then I'll probably get the whole collection too. <laughs> as gratuitous as that is, because that's how damn good this story is. So. Love that. I don't have an inferno, but Tom King also did Gotham City Year One. I have to read that too. And I read issue one. Fascinating. So, you know, obviously it takes place in 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 the past and it, it focuses on Bruce Wayne's grandparents. Mm. Um and what and even better, the key character in the story thus far, I mean only read one issue, is Slam Bradley. Yes. Yeah. And he's brought in an investigation, uh, and that's and then they tie it into the modern day Batman as well. I, the first issue was superb, and really wet my whistle for where this might go. But um, you know, I, fun to see Phil Hesterhardt. I hadn't seen his work in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's that was an excellent first issue. I, I recommend that. Um, after we did our um, uh, our our Halloween episode with you know Beetlejuice World by Night, I got a hankering to go back and read some classic Bronze Age Marvel horror. I figured so, you would, my friend. I figured you library, would. <laughs> I took out the best, which is Tomb of Dracula. Nice. The Old Essential, which is in, look at that colon black and white artwork. Oh. Ugh. So I read uh, issues 13 through, um, I think, 19, which is which is the classic uh, Rachel Van Helsing and Dracula stuck in the, the, the snow and they have to help each other to survive, which became a power record. And there's also werewolf by night crossover in these stories as well. Nice. Again, reading the, the Gene Colan, Tom Palmer artwork in black and white is some of the most, one of the most satisfying experiences I can have as a comic book reader mm-hmm. and, and lover of the medium. And also reading this, this, this is early seventies stuff. It's Marvel Wolfman writing. But when you go back to a time period when they weren't writing for the tr- Look at that. When they weren't writing for the trade. Mm-hmm. So the story just builds and builds and builds over issue after issue. And, and he's got, and I remember this as a kid, Marvel do this all the time. He's got these subplots running across like months and months of stories. Yeah. And you're just rewarded with each issue as you keep going. Um, the sophistication on, on this title, as I, as I, because I hadn't read some Tomb of Dracula in a while, it, it never ceases to amaze me how, good this book is mm-hmm. how ahead of it t- its time it was yep. um and, and i mean like there's no buffy the vampire slayer without this comic there just isn't there just isn't yeah um i, I guarantee joss whedon 
was heavily influenced by this book uh, when, when he created that whole world. So uh, if, if you're interested, again, in horror, in Dracula, or just reading a great Bronze Age comic, you must read this book. It just it just gets better and better. It's a, it's a little in the beginning. It's a little clunky before Wolfman comes on. Once he comes on and he starts telling his story, just stay with it. It's that good. <laughs> uh, Murd will appreciate this. I got my tomorrow helping. So Murd, this issue of back issue. <laughs> so it's number one thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Not ready for prime time Marvel heroes now. Yes. Murd, Bronze all, Age also ran. Yep. All that matters is. I haven't read much of it. I just skimmed it. But Murr, they have an essay on Wood God. <laughs> they have an essay on Wood God. <laughs> wood God? Wood God. Wood God, yes. He's a genetically created satyr, basically. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so this this is... Introduced in Marvel premiere? I think so. Um, but this has Murr. They got Modred the Mystic, Paladin... Mm. The Shroud, Jack of Hearts. Yes. Wondar. Stingray. <laughs> Stingray. Jack of Hearts, uh, very, very prominent in the current She-Hulk uh, by Rainbow Rowell. Yep. yep. So, uh, Murd, if, if, you, if, you, if you don't pick this, this show, I'll be happy to lend it to you at some point because it should say, like, in the indicia at the bottom, you know, this is this is what meant for Adam Murdo. Um, so, <laughs> is, it, Chris, but I've got my own copy uh, already making its way to me. Nice, well done. I I, so I, I have to comment just very quickly on the fact that st- I've always looked at Stingray's co- a costume and thought to myself, "God, that's the least original costume." Because, like, like it it it, it looks like seven other comic characters costumes like all combined into one like it could be a hawk and dove it could be a it, mm. could, it, it could be a uh, a falcon costume like even the even the bolt and burst on the on the uh, chest is uh, is not very remembering uh but still i like the character <laughs> well, I, I always thought i always thought it was a very striking costume honestly yeah. and the way the way it's right and you may be totally right that it's not really original mm-hmm. but i think the combo the way they put it, it together every right time right. i see it drawn by a good artist I, I love it yeah well he gets his due in here excellent <laughs> alter ego uh 177 what's exciting about this they do a wonderful interview with the great artist don perlin who is the co-creator of moon knight uh and who was a, a is what most well i mean did a lot of work from the 19 like 50s. He's still alive, actually. Um, this interview was done in 2018. He's in his 90s now. But um, he's especially known for his run on Werewolf by Night, written by Doug Monk when they introduced Moon Knight. Great interview. He talks all about his career. He worked for a lot of different publishing houses, talks about you know work, different people who worked with at Marvel, for example. So if you love Marvel history as I do, that's fascinating. Uh, really interesting interview. So that I always love when Alter Ego really you know dedicates some time to someone, someone a creator like that. So that was really fun to read. Uh, Shane, I've been reading the uh, Zdarsky Batman. Uh, I think it's been three issues now. I don't, again, I don't have them in front of me. Yeah, I've got um, the first issue, and I have, I have the next two to read. It's excellent. Uh, yeah. th- th- it's kind of almost like, almost like a sequel to Tower of Babel. Really? Yeah. Well, in Ooh. the sense that Batman is dealing with a a a, 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 a I guess you call it a robot or something he, that he has been involved in. Mm-hmm. It's called fail safe. Okay. So that that says a lot right there. Yeah. And things get things get out of hand, <laughs> and it, it explores you know how he's like created like 
Bruce Wayne creates like a different persona for himself that mm-hmm. kind of like is separate from Bruce Wayne to like deal with it. It's, it's fascinating. It's really well done. They bring in like Superman, Justice League, because they're all dealing with this unstoppable force that they're trying to to deal with. Um, it's excellent so far. Makes, makes me so, think of OMAC too, actually, from from what you're describing. Yeah, give give it. A, you'll, you'll see what I mean when you read it. But I, I'm really enjoying that thus mm-hmm. far. Haven't read this yet, but I'm really excited. That I got first degree a crime anthology nice. from Humanoids. And the opening story is by David Walker and Michael Lark. Ooh. So it, it's it's a crime it's a crime anthology. I'm really looking forward to reading it. I have again I have I can't give it comments on the stories yet, but uh, I was thrilled to get this um, in my shipment. Murray, I don't know if you ordered this. Also from tomorrow's the team up companion. <laughs> so this chronicles silver and bronze age team ups. It's a guide. Like, it, look at this. It is like chock full of information. Yeah. Um, so it goes into Brave and the Bold, Marvel Team Up, Marvel Two and One, uh, you name it. So, uh, Murd, if you don't have this, I'll be happy to lend it to you. This, this is. Look, you then got Saturday morning Team Up, ISIS and Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> so this this book, great illustrations. Um, they, God, they've even got the animated Sonny and Cher. Holy mackerel. <laughs> so, um, uh, this, this, this is this. Look, I mean, I've skimmed it. It looks really fun, um, as well. Uh, I think, yeah, a lot, a lot of other obviously ongoing series I've talked yeah. about many times that I, Spider Man, Iron Man, all, all still great. Nightwing, mm-hmm. of course, is I'm just salivating with every new issue. Um, closer and closer to that conclusion of that Iron Man run, too. Yes, yes, they're near the end of that. Um, I think that's about it. I, I'm sure I'm forgetting things, but you know, next time. I, I forgot to mention that I did get the new Tim Drake Robin series, the first issue. Oh, cool. <clears throat> yeah, I tried to cancel the other issues, and I can't Ooh, because oh, no. the art inside is so bad to me. Ooh, yikes! I do not like it at all. If oh, you get a no. chance to look at it online somehow. It is jarringly strange. Oof. Okay. You heard it here. You heard it here, folks. Whew. I will have to check it out because I was yeah, looking I, forward to that, and now I'm disappointed. Let me. You know what? I'll see if I can go grab it quick. It might be. It might be easy. Easy on a pile. I'll be right back. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to find some uh, images of from the inside. I'm wondering if this cover is reminiscent of what the actual inside of it is while we're waiting for that uh oh you know what actually here we go i found i found some okay this is at least a page of it here so for when when uh, when shane does return yeah it's certainly stylized i'll give him that almost uh i'd say almost reminiscent of like uh jeff lemire yeah jeff lemire or a ramos or a Maybe even a Bacalo, but uh, but early Bacalo. Is it? Is this? Is this the in the inside of a chain? That's it. Okay. Yeah. I I just know. Yeah, I mean personal taste, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, every to me, every every character looks like they got punched in the jaw. <laughs> I can see that from the from the from the shape of the faces. I can. I can, yeah. I can definitely see what I, you're talking about. No. That. Yeah. I might still give it a go just to see just to see if the story's any good. But uh, well, I'm going to do that. I've got four issues coming, so I'm going to read them. But. Cool. 
All right, Murd, over to you. All right. Uh, well, I yield uh, 50% of my time here uh, to a PSA, uh, a plug, basically, for a project uh, that uh, our friend and friend of the show, Dr. Eamon Clark, is has been working on. Ah. And uh, he uh, mailed me all the way from the UK uh, an advanced copy of it. I'm holding it right here in my hand. And it is called a DUI, that's a Drawn Under the Influence, number two. And it's uh, it's kind of an... Uh, it's an anthology. It, it, it's kind of similar to the, the indie Spinner Rex uh, awesome anthology that they used to put out. Ah. Or even to the uh, CGS stories thing that our own listeners uh, uh, you know, got together among themselves and published a couple of times. Uh, this is DUI number two. It's put together by uh, or coordinated by the Awesome Comics Podcast, which is apparently a UK-based comics podcast. And uh, issue number two, there it is right there on screen. Our Cracker Jack producer <laughs> there, Ian, coming through once again. Um, it's it's edited by Eamon Clark. Nice. Uh, the inter- yeah, the content oh, fantastic. is like, it's like 60 pages. Uh, the average It's a whole bunch of different stories. Average length is like uh, two or four pages mm-hmm. uh, by a couple dozen of different uh, indie creators of Great Britain. And it spans a whole bunch of different uh, genres, you know, horror and science fiction and a lot of humor in there as well. Um and it's 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 by creators that uh, people in the United States probably wouldn't have heard of. I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people in uh, the UK haven't heard of them either. Uh, but it's still uh, it's a lot of interesting stories in here, and uh, it's put together uh, uh, in a uh, a paperback package, which I'm holding right now, uh, for nine pounds cover price. But three pounds of that uh, from each sale will go to Cancer Research UK. Oh wow. I'm sure Eamon is dedicating, mentally at least, uh, his work on this uh, to our friend J- Jamie D and other yes. friends that he may have lost along the way to cancer. Definitely. So it's a worthy cause, and it's some interesting material, having read through it here. So uh, if you're interested, you can learn more about it at duicomic.bigcartel.com. Excellent. Yeah. So there is that. Thank you for sending me that uh, advanced copies that I could give it its due here on the air. And the other thing I'm going to mention here, uh, I, like Chris, uh, Halloween uh, being on the rise here this past week, I too got a Jones for some classic Marvel Bronze Age horror. Uh But I went in a slightly different direction, and instead of breaking out Tomb of Dracula, I went for the monster. Frankenstein. The Plugart. The Plugart. Oh. Yes, the Plugart. Well, that's uh, the cover image I'm holding up here isn't Plug, but uh, the back cover, however... That's the cover to um, the monster of Frankenstein number one, and that is absolutely Plug. I'm more partial to the Valmeric art myself. Mm, but, yep, uh, and there is a lot of that in here too. But I love the Plug art too. I can't, can't, oh, both, I can't criticize any of it. <laughs> that, I would not think so, no. Yes, and he was the artist on most of the first year's worth of stories, which were written by Gary Friedrich and were set in 1898. And then at some point, because yeah, this thing collects uh, all 18 issues of the Frankenstein Monsters solo series, uh, plus uh, a two-part uh, arc from Marvel Team-Up, in which uh, Frankenstein's monster meets Spider-Man and the Man-Wolf. Um, but there's also some, uh, as kind of a bridge between the first and second halves of the Frankenstein's Monster solo series, there's also a bunch of uh, appearances in black and white horror mags of the era. Uh, you know, Legion of Monsters and several issues of Monsters Unleashed. And it is in that range. That's where uh, Doug Munch first came on board as writer of the <sighs> Frankenstein Monster. A little more than half of uh, the, the material in this trade were written by him. 
But uh, I think he gets his first uh, crack at the creature in this story in uh, uh, Monsters Unleashed, where we get some of this. Ooh. Frankenstein, 1973. Mm. This beautiful black and white ah. virgin pencils of John Buscema. Ah, nice. Talking about the man and his non-superhero nice. work. It's, it, there are some beautiful yep. Frankenstein's monster pencils from uh, Big John in this volume. So it's uh, in terms of overall quality, it really doesn't hold uh, an angry peasant's torch to the tomb of Dracula, but uh, it's... <laughs> but Mer, those, those opening issues, they adapted the Shelley story. They did. Those, and it looks yeah, beautiful. The first few Friedrich yeah. and Plug stories. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Frankenstein's monster being thawed out of the ice in 1898 by the great-grandson of the ship's captain mm-hmm. who first hears the story of Frankenstein and his monster from Victor Frankenstein himself. And the monster then gets to you know tell it all to this guy who's thawed him out of the ice. And then everybody dies by the end of that arc except the monster, and he, he goes sauntering off uh, to, to have other adventures in 1898 Europe as his motivation is to find and kill the last surviving descendant of his creator, Victor Frankenstein. Okay. And after that, he gets frozen in ice again uh, when, I guess, somebody at Marvel decided that uh, stories set in the late 19th century weren't <laughs> relatable enough, and he gets thought out again in 1973. There's that art on screen Look right at that there. art team. Buscema and Sid Shore's inking. Oh! Wow, wow, magnificent. wow. Magnificent. Yep. That is something else. I mean, the, the detail on that. Yeah, well, Sid Shores is a master inker going back stunning. to the Golden Age. Ugh. Absolutely stunning. Great stuff. Mm, yep, so it's fun and funky fright fest starring the fiend of Frankenstein. Ha ha! Indeed. Right on. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll I'll also mention in passing. Uh, uh, it's not comic related, but uh, Barbarian just got added to HBO Max. Uh, and if you're still in the mood for something spooky and scary, um, this is a movie that I went into knowing nothing, and I'm glad that I did because the story itself is you have to know as little as possible in order to actually really truly enjoy it because you will it is not the movie that it sets itself up to be in the trailer i'll just leave it at that Hmm. Um, i know nothing about it okay it's it's superb i saw it in theaters i'm glad i did because it was worth seeing in theaters but now it's available on hbo max for anybody who has access to it uh barbarian uh and watch it watch it watch it that's where i'll leave it at Chris, sir, I know, I know. It's we're getting into the uh, the witching hour for you. So, yeah. um, uh, how about we hold She Hulk for a separate episode once Mr. Murdo has caught up on it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds good. I, I since I may not be here for that, I'm just going to say, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I did too, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul, I did as well. Uh, if you if you do want to give some non-spoiler thoughts, though, please by all means before we wrap things up. I just I yeah, just really really quickly. I I really enjoyed the whole tone of the show. I like again that Marvel can show that it it can vary off of uh, you know different types of formats and different type of genres. Uh, it, it it you know it really harkens back to the John Byrne She Hulk. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. Uh, my biggest disappointment, uh, Adam, just the slightest of the spoilers. My biggest disappointment is that we don't see Awesome Andy in it. Yeah, uh, I, I was really, really hoping for that. Mm. Uh, but the characters that we do see, and I won't mention any of them for uh, exactly the reasons I just said, uh, 
I, I get a huge kick out of it. And not only a kick out of the characters, but the way that they were presented, uh, the way the story went and the way it all wrapped up for the season. Um, I, I, I just couldn't speak more highly about it. The episodes were a very good length for what they did. They didn't mm. overstay their welcome. Mm -hmm. uh, and they didn't make so many of them that they kind of ran out of ideas. It stayed fresh throughout the whole thing. So uh, among the Marvel series that we've been getting on Disney, this is among the best ones. Yes. Paul, great non-spoiler review. Excellent. Well done, sir. Superb. <laughs> Good stuff, and we'll we'll come back. Well, I did spoil the absence of Awesome Man. Eh, that's fine. You can spoil stuff <laughs> that's really not in the show until the cows come home. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, just, just, just so everyone is aware, uh, Blue Hulk doesn't show up, so <laughs> we don't have to worry about that happening anytime soon. So uh, that, that's that with that. Um, not to end things on a somber note, I just want to I just want to put out uh, a uh, we're thinking of you to Carlos Pacheco. Um, yes, as uh, as news did come out uh, a couple weeks back that uh, he's unfortunately suffering from ALS, um, and he, and his uh, his last for now comic work uh, was uh, put up on on his uh, social media pages uh, a couple of days ago. So. Um, just we hope for the best uh, to you, Carlos. Uh, you're one of the greatest artists. Oh, living master. Absolute living master. Yeah. And we may very well have to do a top five Carlos Pacheco uh, episode in your honor sometime uh, in the not too distant future. So here's to you. And we're thinking of you. So that's yep. all I can really say about it. Hey, guys, hopefully the transition wasn't too jarring. Um, but I, I had to insert this into the episode. We recorded this episode about a week ago, and at the time, you know, we knew that Carlos was sick, but uh, unfortunately, as I record this earlier today, Carlos Pacheco passed away at the age of 60, uh, just a few short weeks before he would have turned 61, actually. Um, and... Only, only a little while ago, uh, Carlos had uh, been public about his diagnosis of, uh, of ALS. Uh, ALS is a, you know, an illness that just completely eats away at you until there's unfortunately not a lot left. Um, and up until this year, you know, Carlos was still putting out regular works for the most part. Um, he had just done Aerosmith not too long ago. Uh, you remember Chris Eberly praising it at the time uh, for the continuation of a series that him and Busiek had been working on for years. And uh, now it had come back. And unfortunately, from the looks of it, uh, he was not able to complete the full work on Aerosmith uh, before his, his, his unfortunate passing. Once again, 60 years old, uh, it's, you know, he, he really should have had so many more years. 60 just seems so young these days. And it's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks for, rough couple of weeks, rough couple of years for fans of comic books as we've lost, you know, tons of luminaries. You know, George Perez not too long ago, and now Carlos. Avengers Forever is one of my favorite comics ever. 
<laughs> the that that twelve issue maxi that him and Busiek worked on is just like the epitome of the perfect Avengers story, and the perfect Kang story for that matter. Kang being as relevant as he is now in the in the world of comic books, with him approaching uh, his major arc in the MCU. Without stuff like Avengers Forever, I don't think we'd have Kang as he is today, and. Honestly, there's so many works that Carlos has has, has contributed to over the years. Uh, Marvel tweeted out uh, their their you know mourning at the passing of a member of their family, essentially, uh, and you know working on uh, Excalibur for as long as he did. Uh, Remender's Captain America, one of his terrific runs. All the Avengers work that he did outside of Avengers Forever. Uh, not to mention X-Men work uh, over the years. And, you know, God, look at this. Look at this splash page here. Look at this look, this poster that he created for Marvel. Uh, this was back when he was doing Fantastic Four, if I remember correctly, um, right around the Heroes Were Born era. And, yeah, it, it's just it's just really sad to see someone who certainly still had the talent and the ability to have that stricken from him so suddenly. Here's one of the last covers that he worked on for Marvel for Damage Control Issue 2 uh, that he posted not too long ago. And there was talk of him working on on Fantastic Four and, and again and a whole bunch of other projects that we'll unfortunately never get to see to completion. And along with his Marvel stuff, obviously uh, had a great run on Superman Batman with Jeff Loeb and JSA, JLA, Virtue and Vice is the pinnacle of one-shot graphic novels that he worked on with Jeff Johns. And it's a terrific Thanksgiving story. The fact that it's November 9th right now, I've been I've been thinking about Virtual Advice, and it's sitting on my shelf, and I'm certainly going to crack it open now just to look it over again as during the era and now. It's a great family story. It brings forth the togetherness between the uh, JLA and the JSA in a, in a wonderful light, and his artwork does that in spades. And Pacheco was a luminary as well as sort of bridging the gap of, you know, Hispanic artists working as a as a go-between for introducing new artists to the uh, Western world um, in ways that we possibly would not have had that happen without him opening the door to do so. Really just a superstar and a genuinely lovely human being from uh, the the outpouring of, of love that has come from uh, you know people like Mark Wade and Kurt Busiek who have worked with him, uh, Palmiati, uh, Rob Liefeld uh, tweet, tweeted his condolences earlier today, and I'm just beyond stunned and saddened that we lost him as as quickly and unexpectedly as we did. We knew it was coming. I just really hoped that it wouldn't be this soon. But uh, two things. One, he is at peace because that is a that is a debilitating 
illness to deal with ALS. And two, before he passed, there's a, there was uncertainty as to whether or not he had already he had already passed or not. And word came out that he was being left on life support to try to see if any of his organs could be used to help others. And it, I, I that actually made me quite happy that he was able to reach out and and you know touch the lives of hopefully a couple of others before his 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 last moments on earth and he's touched so many other people with his with his work and his passion for the business of comic books over the years and and the art world in general and we will we will definitely miss carlos for everything that he brought to this carlos pacheco dead at the age of 60 here on november 9th uh, we'll, we'll bring you back to the to the episode here and we'll have further thoughts on a future comic talk and we might even try to do a top five Carlos Pacheco books like we did for George Perez because he deserves it. But uh, yeah, sad day in the world of comics. And uh, here's to you, Carlos. Paul, sir, uh, where uh, let the folks on the Internet know yes. where they can find you and, uh, and uh, get more Paul Spataro in their life. <laughs> As if anybody really needs that. <laughs> uh, I I have two shows that are actively coming out now and one that is in the production stages. Uh, the two active shows are Back to the Bins, in which we review old comics. And uh, everybody in this particular call, except for Shane, has been on that. So, uh, we're going to make it happen. We, all we, four of us. We're going to yeah, make it happen. I, I, we, let, we have to get our schedules aligned and, and get that on. Uh, get that going. Yeah. So I, I look forward to, I always look forward to talking to you guys. So we'll do that. Uh, my other regular show is called Is It Chores? And it's a movie review program where we place the movies that we review up against the Jaws scale and rank it as either Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3, or Jaws 4. <laughs> and the ratings aren't necessarily the equivalent of those films. But, uh, you know, I've played with that a little bit and we have a lot of fun doing that. And the last one we're doing right now is called The Village People, and it's an exploration of the 1960s show The Prisoner. Uh, wow. That's going to start coming out in January. Interesting. And what, what we have is there's four of us on that show. Two of them are big fans of the show. And then there's myself and one other host who uh, – like so many other things, it's been sitting in my queue for years and I've never watched it. Uh, so episode by episode, we watch it and we're newcomers to it. And we're really enjoying the heck out of that. Very That's good. a great concept, Paul. Oh, my God. You know, I, I, I just a few years ago, I just watched the first time the first episode of The Prisoner. And I was like, what is going on? Like, it was <laughs> like when you see like the inflatable like balls and stuff, it was like, I got to watch. I got to watch the rest of it. It was like. <laughs> That's what they call that, Rover. Yeah, it's like, it's like deep 1960s stuff. Well, Holy mackerel. Yeah. <laughs> funny, funny enough, the version of The Prisoner that I've seen is actually the 2009 miniseries. Uh, oh, that, I didn't know that existed. Featuring. Oh. Yeah, that's with uh, Jim Caviezel. Yep. Jim, Jim Caviezel and Ian McKellen was in it. Uh, oh, Lenny James uh, and uh, and a, a Ruth Wilson and a bunch and a bunch of other names that uh, that people may recognize. Um, and it was a 2009 miniseries that aired on the BBC uh, and, and AMC here in uh, in America. And it was it was pretty good. It was only six episodes long, so they truncated the story significantly. But I I enjoyed yeah. what I what I saw of it. 
a, a listener generously sent me a bunch of DVDs a few years ago, which included those. Mm-hmm. So once we finish with the pro, you know the the proper series, I'm planning on visiting that to see what I think in comparison. Excellent. Well, how many episodes was the original Prisoner? I forgot. I believe it's seventeen. The seventeen. Okay. If my memory is correct. Yeah. Oh, and what? And there's an episode of uh, of Secret Agent Man in the, in the U.S. Danger Man in. Uh, England, uh, that kind of is a precursor to it. So we started with an episode zero where we went over that episode first before we actually get to the prisoner. Nice. Of course, now I must ask you, Paul, where does Black Adam fall on the Jaws scale? (laughs) Uh, I would probably give it a relatively high Jaws 3. Okay. All right. And and just to give you a really quick, uh, the scale is if you rank it Jaws... If you give it a Jaws rating, you're saying it's a great movie, practically flawless. Got it. If you give it a Jaws 2, you're saying really good, really enjoyed it, uh, worthy of multiple viewings. Mm-hmm. Jaws 3 is, it was all right. <laughs> I watched it. You know, it it, it, it didn't suck. Yeah. And Jaws 4 is, it did suck. <laughs> uh, so... So, so I would say like a relatively high Jaws 3. What I find fast about Jaws, I'm assuming Michael Caine was paying for a summer home or something when he appeared oh, in that movie. definitely, but. definitely. <laughs> Michael Caine has even said in a few interviews, there's some movies that I did for the money. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that always is reminiscent to me of uh, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Where John Huston oh. played the lawgiver, law yes. and apparently somebody said to him, "You know, what a man of your stature? What are you doing in this movie?" And he said, "You know, my my friend, we do not turn down a paycheck." Yes, yeah. yes, very, very, very true. Yep, very, very true. <laughs> Doesn't matter how respected an actor you are, sometimes you just got to pay the water bill. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, thank you so much for joining thank us, Paul. You, Paul. This was a lot of fun, and uh, and it's, we will definitely talk to you soon, my friend. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Our, our pleasure. And uh, thank you, once again, the listeners at patreon.com slash comicgeekspeak for donating to the show throughout the years. We very much appreciate it. And if you want to go uh, towards uh, producing this and other shows, uh, patreon.com slash comic timing for my personal Patreon. And Shane, Ugh. we now hand it over to Shane for the Shane spot featuring Shane. <laughs> the floor is yours. We're going to need a microphone in order to do that, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> How about now? Not. Yes, we oh, can. There he is. Oh, <laughs> stupid button. Uh, uh, all this time, we just thought you were just being very quiet and thoughtful, and then I realized. <laughs> so you probably haven't heard the last half hour stuff I said. No, 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 no. <laughs> just, just the last five minutes. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, the Shane spot will be played by Shane and performed by Shane. Shane, the floor is yours. <laughs> Visit us at ComicGeekSpeak.com to send us an email to address us ComicGeekSpeak at gmail.com to leave a, num- a voicemail that numbers 267-702-6642 Stop by TheComicForums.VanillaCommunity.com Follow us on YouTube at YouTube.com YouTube.com slash ComicGeekSpeak Send in your metal to the merds because apparently we're getting low and we don't want to run out 
Um, follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Thanks to everyone who contributes to the episodes. Thanks for coming on the show, Paul. It was great to meet you and talk to you. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. Ah, damn thing. Here we go. All right. All right. Uh-huh. See, I'm not the only one. I know. Uh, I know. I know. I uh-huh. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Professionalism right out the window. Dwayne the Black Adam Johnson.